In 2011, a crack podcast unit was sent to Colorado Springs by a court of snowflakes for being too good for the rest of the world. These men, and sometimes ladies, promptly escaped from the world of monotony to the podcasting underground. Today, still wanted by the SJWs of the world, they survive as podcasters of no fortune. But, if you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to the Geek Out Heroes. Go ahead and get this started. Welcome to Geek Out Heroes. This is Vargo. Anderson. Miles. Seth Green. Now you know why NFTs are fucking stupid. <laughs> and I hope that you've learned your lesson. It's a tough lesson to have, but uh, when you uh, decided to invest in an NFT instead of just making your own intellectual property on the, in, in the first place, and I know it, 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 made a, it might have inspired an entirely fun idea of creating a TV show, it's still... One of those things of like you you bought an NFT instead of just talking to an artist and buying the rights to it to to the art itself, to the character itself that you wanted to create it off of. And that's the thing that's sad is the fact that you instead just bought an NFT, which is something that you essentially just get nothing for. You get nothing back. And while yes, it included the rights to use that character at the same time, there's no like there's no real legal system around NFTs, so you technically own nothing. Uh, you know, when you do that. And at the same time, if the NFT turns around and gets sold, even though you got scammed out of it, that NFT turned around and got sold to somebody else. The, the rights distributed to that or, or, or attributed to that uh, specific character you wanted to use are solely rest or solely rest in whoever owns the NFT. That's how it's written, even on their website. And listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Seth Green got, scammed out of an or out of an nft that he owned which was for the uh the board ape uh, board ape yacht club i think that's what it's called fucking dumbass fucking name uh it's part of the nfts that were created specifically by the and this is i i believe uh what the creator of it said uh as a joke to see if nfts would sell and turns out that they did and they sold for shit tons of money and the guy just kept doing it so Congrats to the guy for being able to scam other people out of their money for nothing. Um, hats off to you, sir, for coming up with, uh, with how to do that legally. Um, but at the same time, uh, all of your customers are idiots. <laughs> and that includes you, Seth Green. Sorry. I, like, I actually have respect for you, Seth Green. I do. I, I think you create a lot of great shows. But at the same time, <laughs> oh, what a dumb idea. Anyways. All right. He, uh, he got scammed out of it because he inadvertently used the wrong site or a site that he thought was the legitimate site that he had been going through to buy and sell NFTs and run with cryptocurrency and all that shit. And uh, this one in, in the case took his NFTs away from him and sold it to somebody else who bought them for a exorbitant amount of money. I mean, just imagine this listeners, you, you paid $200,000 for essentially a, a JPEG that says that you own this property. And because you have the NFT, the non-fungible token in your possession now, 
possession is nine tenths of the law, and in NFTs, it's one hundred percent of the law. So, because he owns the NFT and has the NFT in his possession and has the uh, token, it says that he owns all of the rights to that to that artwork, which means he owns the rights to that character. So Seth Green can't make his TV show that he had planned to make off of this NFT that he had bought, uh, or a couple of NFTs that he had bought apparently. And uh, the guy who bought it is apparently not playing ball. Doesn't want to give it back because why would you? I mean, you when in, in the art world, listeners. In reality, if you buy a piece of art that you did that you bought, un, not not knowing that it was stolen, if you did it unwittingly, that art is still yours. That's how that works legally. And that person just gets screwed over. That's how it happens. The person who stole it could still be arrested for what they've done. However, the person who bought it is not penalized for it because they didn't know. How are they supposed to know? It's not like an NFT is a fucking Mona Lisa. No, if somebody tried to sell you the Mona Lisa, you know it's stolen or it's counterfeit. There's no question about it. That's the that's the big problem that they have here. And the hysterical part is the fact that uh, Seth Green thinks that he has a case if he goes in legally and says that, uh, oh, you know, I don't want to handle this outside of court or, you know, in courts and stuff like that, knowing, you know, all the stuff that he knows about, uh, you know, copyright laws. I hate to tell you this, Seth, but according to that, that own the fucking NFT's own website says that whoever owns the token and has the token in their possession owns the rights. You don't own the rights anymore, bud. It was stolen from you. And that sucks. Now, hopefully for your case, this guy's going to willing, you know, going to be willing to work something out where you guys should maybe share royalties or something like that. But I'm sure you're not going to want to do that because that sucks. And if I remember right, it was stolen through a phishing email. Uh, yeah. yeah, I believe so. so caution. That's, listeners, how, that's how we ended up going on to that site. Always double check the email that's getting sent to you from before opening. Yeah. Listeners, this is something that is hysterically easy to check. And once they got access to his digital wallet, they had access to his NFTs. This is the funny thing with, with uh, cryptocurrency and NFTs is the fact that it, like, as, as secure as everybody says it is, it's not that secure. Don't be a Seth Green. Double check. Always check your emails. Always, always be paranoid that somebody else wants to steal your shit. The world cannot be trusted. So anyways, Seth, it sucks that you lost your NFT. I'm sorry that happened to you, man. I realize that it's a loss for you. But at the same time, Dude, you saw what was going on with everybody else making fun of them and you still did it. Like, I get it. You probably was at like the height of NFTs, like, oh, NFTs are going to be great. And your show probably went into production a couple of years ago, I would imagine, uh, when NFTs really struck. But at the same time, you didn't talk to anybody else and go, hey, so what do you guys think of NFTs? And nobody told you, yeah, that sounds like a fucking scam. Or somebody talked him into it. And it might have just come down to the fact of like he, like, again, it might have just come down to the fact that he saw a character and went, I like this. I like this character. I want to buy it because I want to use it for this because I want to use the rights for it. And the only way that that character could have been bought was from the creator through an NFT. That's highly likely in this case. But excuse me, I still would have just told that guy, give me a right on a contract written out. With both of our signatures, you know how every fucking contract works when using someone else's intellectual property. You should already know how to do that just because of robot chicken. Absolutely. (laughs) But I guess NFTs was probably the easier way to do it. It was probably the easy way. You buy the NFT, you suddenly own the artwork. Now you own the rights to it. Oh, great. Yeah, that works out really well. I'm sure it does. But not when this shit happens to you. Probably cheaper. Yeah, but not when this shit happens, obviously. You get what you pay for and you pay to get 
fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the good way. Listeners, I know we sound like such assholes when we talk like this and we talk like this to people, but when you're talking to somebody like going, this makes like total fucking normal sense to just not do this stuff. Yeah. We're going to sound like assholes because it's like talking to someone who doesn't get it over and over and over again. How did you not see this? Oh, we talk to each other this way. Yeah. Yeah. We are, I would say we are, we all benefit from being each other's friends because we usually double check each other all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be Samuel L. Jackson, somebody else. (laughs) What? What country you from? What? What? what ain't no country I ever heard of. They speak English and what? What? English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? Yes. Then you know what I'm saying. Yes. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. Next up, we have the uh, PlayStation State of Play, and Miles, you watched that yesterday. Yeah, uh, significantly better than the last one. Uh, if I remember correctly, the last one was just the, um, Gran Turismo one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and that was boring as fuck to me, mostly cause I didn't have any real interest in Gran Turismo, but it also turned out to be a uh, massive shit show, Gran Turismo. Um, mm-hmm. uh, while you say that, but, uh, I, w- I want to interject this real quick since you just brought that yeah. up. They're under fire again, just cause this week alone. They did another price hike on their price hike, yeah. on their microtransactions on Gran Turismo. Yep. Yeah. Fucking blatantly just And it wasn't it wasn't just a little price hike, it was like ten bucks or more per item. Zero fucks from Sony. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um they they showed off uh, uh much more of a myriad of games this time around. So in that sense it was a lot better. Uh they did a lot of focus on Resident Evil, um, Capcom, and uh, PSVR 2. Yep. And some of that stuff was old hat. Some of it's just remaking uh, items for VR. Um, but uh, Capcom, uh, I believe, is coming up with another Street Fighter. I'd be surprised to see. Uh, I'd be curious to see how badly that one gets uh, pieced out for for money packages. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, packs. I expect it when they were talking about it, they were emphasizing esports. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, but you know, is it one going to be one one of those things where you have to buy each character for ten fucking dollars or something? Yeah, they emphasize esports every with every uh, Street Fighter, though. Yeah, I just want to point that out. They've been they've been doing that since Street Fighter Four, I oh, believe. One of, yeah, one I guess you're right. Tournaments. I just. I just <laughs> yeah. I just have Nothing. an old member of the old school arcade, so I miss those days, but I guess I'm just going to embrace the fact that esports is where it's at. Yeah, esports isn't going away. We already know that. The only way it'll go away is if it doesn't yeah. make any money. Which, I don't well, know how they haven't gone away, but apparently they still make money. The things that caught my eye was uh, Horizon Forbidden West as New Game Plus mode, and that was out uh, day of the uh, conference, or whatever you want to call it, event. Um, good to see that. I'm kind of surprised it wasn't implemented sooner. Day really. one, yeah. Um, well, they they did that with the first game too. True. They? I but thought, after I they, thought new game plus yeah. uh, came out sooner than that. No, it was like yeah, three it months took, after. It took a while. But the thing is, is the weird part is that the, this is a consistent the thing of like adding before. new game. Yeah, adding new game plus <laughs> like it's like fucking 
like it's DLC. It's hysterical. Yeah. Like New Game Plus, it guys, we already know New Game Plus is planned after the first one did it. So why right. wasn't it there the day one? Oh, because you want to seem like you're giving people stuff something for free. Is that what we've done? We're, we've we've resorted down to New Game Plus is is added content, and that's that should be promoted because that's exactly what this is. Yeah, the only the only thing I could see it maybe taking more time, uh, not more time than the previous one, just more time than releasing day one, uh, is balancing. You know, because it depends on what you start with in New Game mm-hmm. Plus uh, for most games. Because uh, sometimes, like uh, Dying Light uh, Two, for example, if you do New Game Plus on there, you lose your grappling hook, glider, and uh, UV flashlight, which are yeah. Oh, sort story, of story-driven story items. items. It, yeah. I don't see how it could really fuck with the, the, the game itself, you know, the progression. So I don't see why you would remove that thing. But I could see issues with other games having that kind yeah. of uh, aspect. Yeah, but and I get that. that but so, once you get them back, you get them, like, fully upgraded and all that stuff or whatever you have, you know, you yeah. had before. So, I mean, so, that, that was good to see. Uh the VR stuff, uh, what, what, what kind of fun was funny to me, uh, and I could be mistaken on it. Uh, they still haven't announced an actual release for their VR two system. However, they've advertised plenty of games for it this time around with the uh, the uh, event that they had the showcase. Yeah, and one of those games listed as a release for twenty twenty two. Like like it was an actual release, not not a placeholder. Yeah, and I'm like, well, doesn't that kind of mean that you should come out with the announcement that you know VR two is going to be 2022? <laughs> um, supposedly it has a holiday placeholder, but we'll see. The next thing caught my eye was Stray. It's that uh, Stray Cat game that we saw shown off years ago. Um, that a lot of people. A lot of cat people uh, lost their shit over. I, I, I think it looked cool just because it's kind of an exploration game in a sense. Wow, well, I feel like you're judging me right now. <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> but that is slated for July 19th, so we'll be able to get to play that soon. Um, yeah, listeners, in case you don't, that does look interesting. Yeah, in case you don't know what that is, it's the the cat game with the robots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of a so. weird cyberpunky dystopian future kind of yeah. thing. Uh, looks 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 cool. Looks interesting. Wish it was coming to Game Pass so I could check it out on there. But you know, <laughs> wish it was coming to PC because I don't have a PS Five. <laughs> yeah, is, is it is it a PS Five exclusive? It's gonna be on PS. It's gonna be on PS Four. Like here's the thing though. Like it's gonna everything's like oh it's gonna be on PS Four at the same time. But I can't change my saves from PS Four to PS Five. So. I'm not going to start if if I get a PlayStation Five later. I'm not going to start out like start over a fucking game just because I got a PS Five, right? And I don't want to play it. On, I don't want to play it on the inferior platform if that's the case. So fuck it. I might as well just wait. Like that's that's yeah. the problem I'm in now. And I realize that there are tons unless of people out there that rectify unless they rectify game saves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's them. that's the problem. PlayStation hasn't done that. Whereas Xbox says, "Oh, we don't care what you play it on." You can play it on the original Xbox. You can or Xbox One. You can play it on the the new one, and we don't care because the saves transfer. I haven't tried it yet, but is that the same case with uh, Spider Man? They rectified my saves. Uh, uh, Spider Man uh, remastered the first one. Yeah, 
yeah, it does not take over the saves from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5. Oh, interesting. I thought it did. Hmm. Uh, but nope. I, like I said, I hadn't checked. No, uh, Anderson, if you're playing if you're playing with the same save you had from the PS4 on your PS5, you're playing the PS... I'm basically playing the PS4 yeah, copy absolutely. on the PS5. Yeah. Yep, that's the problem because they treat they treat the PS5 version as if it's a separate game and it's fucking stupid. Yep. Right. That's because they're greedy. Um the they also showed gameplay trailer for Callisto Protocol. Uh yeah. we saw that one has by interest. Yeah, we saw that uh teased it feels like years and years ago too. Yeah, Dead Space uh, 4 seems awesome. Yeah, it it looks brutal and fucking horrifying as shit. Yeah, uh, and that is uh, slated for early December. I couldn't remember the date. It's either December twelfth or December second. Can't remember. Yeah, I thought it was like near the end of November. No, it was December something. So uh, probably probably December second then. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, listeners, well, in case you're cool. really wondering why, yeah, in case you're wondering why I said Dead Space Four looks awesome, is uh, the original. Um, lead on dead space is the one making this one or making this game. And, uh, they have leaned heavily. Yeah. They have leaned heavily into the fact that it is a spiritual successor to dead space because why? Oh yeah. Cause EA just refused to make anything further than dead space three, which wasn't the game they wanted to make in the first place. On the plus side, it looks like you're going to be able to actually, you know, move around with some degree of agility. On this one, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a, not a walking tank. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're doing a PC remaster of Spider-Man. I figured uh, Vargo would get a kick out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I laughed. But they're like remaster. I'm like, by remaster, you mean port, right? Because it's literally just going to be the same fucking right. settings as on the PS5. Uh, I I laughed because at first I didn't see PC. Yeah, and I was like a remaster. I was like the game is still relatively new. <laughs> like, yeah, you do a remaster already. Well, I they mean, call, we've seen they it called the they called the PS Five port a remaster already. They 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 called yeah. that one a remaster. So it's like, all right, well, you guys are doing a remaster, remaster. Like it's a re remaster. <laughs> we remix the remix. It's back together. Right. Kingdom Hearts all over again. <laughs> there was a there was a trailer for Final Fantasy 16, I believe it is. Yeah, um, yeah FF 16. Yeah. They're going back to being fantasy again. Yeah. Um, the the character designs look great. The you know the character that would be presumably Ifrit uh, look cool as shit. But you know. Final Fantasy is one of the things they 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 kind of lost me a few iterations ago, mm. and after the Strangers of Paradise nonsense and seeing what people had to go through for that, I like I don't have a whole lot of faith in in them actually making these games anymore. Well, I mean, especially since they're so concerned with having their own NFTs. Yeah. So yeah, I just don't I don't see it. Turn- I mean, plus the the combat didn't seem all that inspired really like kind of the run of the mill that they've been doing for a little while. Yeah. And they showed off more like monster versus monster kind of thing going on. You know, like maybe if you're using summons, so I, it's not a thorough enough gameplay to really warrant any true interest from me, but they make 
pretty videos, and that's exactly what it was. <laughs> to me, Final Fantasy ended at Final Fantasy fourteen, their online yeah. um, MMO, because I've seen plenty of stuff from that. That that rings true with Final Fantasy, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that personally, I feel like uh, Square Enix should just concentrate on that. Yeah, uh, for their community rather than looking at. Like, don't get me wrong, listeners. I know that there are plenty of people looking for the next Final Fantasy, and and there are tons of there's still tons of fans. Yeah, it used to be my jam a long time ago. Yeah, I appreciate what they've done with Final Fantasy VII and the fact that the remake, uh, after it was explained to me, let's just keep in mind somebody had to explain this to me for me to know this, for me to have any like no hatred towards Final Fantasy VII remake and the fact that it was explained to me that it's basically just a uh, it has to do with kind of time travel. A couple of characters know specifically the events that originally took place in the original final fantasy seven and the new final fantasy seven is essentially them trying to change the outcome of what took place during or some of the outcome of what took place during final fantasy seven. So maybe we're actually going to get a happy ending for final fantasy seven. Who knows? I will be really interested to see how fans react as that series continues to go. And if it goes into different kind of directions, but uh, originally I bagged on it because final fantasy seven wasn't fully final fantasy seven because it was missing the other half of the game. Yeah. Um, but now knowing how that's changed and what they've done with it, they want, they've what they've done with it bloat aside with, with what they've added to it. That was unnecessary. It seems like they're heading in a cooler direction on how to change what you do with a, a remaster or a remake of the fact of acknowledging the fact that the original did happen. It still exists going back and saying, okay, what we're doing with this one is kind of time travel and we're going to change some of the lore of what took place in that. Cool. Looking forward to seeing what they do with that. But when it comes to the regular Final Fantasy series that they've been continuing, I mean, 13 was, 13 was all right. I thought, I think 13 got bagged on a lot because of, uh, it had some weird mechanics in it and the story had too many lulls especially even like going for, for 13 in the DLCs. So, okay. I, I, I get people's gripes with that. I think 15, <sighs> 15 had Fif- some good things going for it. Problem was yeah. is characters and yeah. world design and story structure. Yeah. Characters were for one way too annoying. Uh, absolutely. Most of them were unlikable. The, World design was just kind of like, I it was as as cool as it was was it was visually when it comes to the fact of like graphically it was really pretty. Yeah, it wasn't that interesting of a land to to develop in, and no, it felt very much like Final Fantasy got thrown out in the middle of uh, Arizona or Nevada for a large chunk of it, and you're going, I don't really care about this. Yeah, and this is coming from two two uh, people that like to play exploration games. Yep, and uh, we had no desire <laughs> to explore Mm-mm. in that universe. No, yeah, it just wasn't uh, just wasn't that fun. Uh, I mean, shit, listeners, we we played Death Stranding, and if you want to talk about people, two people who went everywhere in Death Stranding, we went everywhere in Death Stranding. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, Miles and I had fucking zip lines that we had to climb entire mountains to make. Yeah. to make the biggest shortcuts in that game possible. I was the transport authority. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, died multiple times trying to accomplish the same things over and over again, but finally got there and it was, it yeah. fucking paid off in the end, but I climbed I, fucking huge peaks just to jump on the fucking sled, fucking sled and fucking yeah. snowboard down the goddamn mountain. <laughs> yeah. I went off. A, I went off. Well, what was essentially a cliff with that once that was <laughs> hilariously horrifying. Yard sale. Just yard sale for days. Uh, <laughs> but it was, you know, it's one of those things of if, if you're, whole level design isn't that intriguing then the rest of your game kind of drops off and on top of that final fantasy 15 has the most lackluster uh ending sequences i think i've ever experienced in a final fantasy game so i i have to agree with you on the fact that i think square enix has kind of lost their their mojo when it came to making the final fantasy series i think that there are other things that they could concentrate on or even bring back i mean i would love to see them bring back bring back the chrono trigger in Chrono Cross uh, games and not just do the, the re-releases, but <clears throat> or the HD re-releases, but actually expand on the universe. Yeah. Uh, I'd also like to see them, you know, invest into creating, you know, new IPs or, you know, new games that their main studios could handle. But the, I feel like the final fantasy formula is kind of, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. Can get to the mute fast enough. Well, when uh, you're looking to sell your your IPs off, you clearly don't have any real interest in yeah, I mean, really it's, creating it's, anymore. It's like that with uh, with EA. When you know if if you're looking at just being bought out, then you're clearly you're at the end of your company's life cycle. Yeah, it's like somebody and, giving two weeks notice and you're still expecting top tier work out of them. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> listeners, we saw it. We saw it with Konami. Konami decided, okay, well, we're not going to make games anymore. They literally just stopped making games and they started ostracizing their developers and started yeah. moving and their developers. With, was it Go Metal ahead. Gear Survive? Yeah. Or something like that. Something so that like, they thought they could quickly cash in, which was craptastic as a concept to begin with. Yeah. And they fucking launched it anyways. And once, <laughs> and, and lo and behold, complete crap <laughs> yeah so they stopped making games listeners they started making nothing but gambling machines because like you've seen it with konami we've seen it with other companies where they just kind of wind down they stop making other games i capcom kind of sits in that whole territory of they were heading in that direction when they started just kind of slacking off on making any other content yeah, any other games they, <laughs> yeah they're were, they're were absolutely phoning it in i don't think it's until they hit their stride with what they did with resident evil on the fact of changing Resident Evil in the way they did for seven and then going into eight and realizing, oh yeah, we actually we actually can make a Resident Evil and we can make yeah. more of those games, which is the reason why I'm bringing that up is because they've now shown off Resident Evil 4. Uh, that they're making a remake of that. And yeah, they're doing the VR uh version of it for their VR two, which actually looks kind of cool. <laughs> well, they've, they've, what's funny is they've already got a VR version of, hey, of, of Resident Evil 4. And mm. they've talked about the fact with, with this remake, they're going to be doing the same thing, like something similar. And yeah. the fact that they want to continue that tradition, like supporting VR and stuff like that, because they did a really cool job with 7 and 8 on those. So they want to continue that. That's great. So it was kind of almost like this revival within Capcom of like realizing, oh, shit, we actually can make these, these games great. 
and make great games, great games again. So they made the, the resident evil, uh, two remake. They made the resident evil three remake. Uh, they're now making the resident evil four remake. Uh, and they've, they've still got seven and eight. They're going to continue making regular resident evils within the franchise as well. That was this big revival of like, Oh shit, we actually have IPs that sell shit. We should do something about this. Like we actually need, we, we don't have just street fighter. There's now rumors of them trying to lean back into making another mega man. There's potential there, but they're having a revival, but they were starting to head down that same path of like, we're just getting complacent. We're just going to continue to, to phone it in until we just die. So we just yeah. die out. And I mean, I, I think they're still leaning way too heavily on, on name recognition and not taking the new IPs chance to go out and make something truly new. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's true for a lot of companies. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's why I was laughing my ass off of that, uh, that Yahtzee video the other day. And I just thought about, uh, if there's, if there should ever be a case made for calling child protective services on for an IP, like it's Assassin's Creed. They'll laugh my fucking ass off. Uh, yeah, Ubisoft's a great, you know, great example of this. Ubisoft is leaning way too hard into their uh their currently owned IPs. And they uh, until most recently, they haven't had this realization of like maybe we went too far. Maybe we've taken Far Cry as far as it can go. Maybe we've taken uh, Ghost Recon as far as it can go. Maybe we've taken, or or currently as far as it can go in the way that what we've done with it. Maybe we should yeah. focus on different things and change the way we've been doing stuff. Now, listeners, that's probably going to lead to them making terrible mistakes because it's Ubisoft and they don't know what they're doing. But that's that's what we're seeing from them is they're running on empty with their IPs and they're just kind of drilling them into the ground instead of creating new stuff. And we've seen that over and over again with the fact that they, I mean, fuck beyond good and evil was announced or like beyond good and evil two was originally announced back in like, I think 2007 or 2008. That was the mm. very first trailer. Like we're, we're talking 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and we got to. a bigger look back in 2014. 16? I think you're right. Somewhere 16. around there. And I think that project was already canceled. And it, and, it, and it was enough to show us off that they're like, yeah, this looks really cool and interesting. Then they did the the little bit of gameplay reveal. And they're like, oh, yep. yeah, it's going to be co-op. And like, got our fucking attention. Yeah. And then nothing. Nothing. <laughs> then fucking dropped off the face of the fucking earth. The, orig- yeah. the, the creative director leaves the company and we go, what the fuck is going on? Meanwhile, you have Skull and Bones that's not getting any traction and was announced years and years and years ago and still looks like shit based on every single fucking editor that we've ever or ever, uh, I should say, uh, press writer that has seen the game running. They all go, it looks like shit. It looks like crap. What the fuck is this? So Ubisoft, that's why I say listeners, Ubisoft doesn't know what they're doing. They're kind of in this limbo of like, what do we do? That's why they're, that's why there's even the possibility they're going to sell themselves off as well. Cause they're, at yeah. the, they, they're clearly at the end of their life cycle for a company. This is why miles has been saying for years that you're getting the rise of the Indies because the Indies are the ones sitting there going, we'll take risks. We have nothing to lose. Yeah. yeah at least you get something new, you know, you get some different aspect or different thought provoking idea for a game. They're like, it's extremely refreshing. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite games of the past few years was spirit fair. 
it is a simple game. Yeah. It is a 2D side scrolling game. You know, nothing flashy about it. The artwork's really pretty. Yeah. Right? But it's completely new compared to everything else. Yeah, all the other <laughs> crap that we have. So and that's why listeners, that's why it was so funny when fucking Kutaku got blasted by Xbox not too long ago. Uh, the fact that they basically sat there and said that Game Pass is getting stagnant and people are going to yeah. start dropping off and like people, you know, they're going to start losing memberships and GameStop just or Xbox's re- reply to them was like, tell us you play or tell us you only play IP or uh, AAA titles without telling us you only play AAA titles. Yeah. Because the fact is that they had shit tons of indies on there that they, that Kotaku clearly didn't even want to touch. Yeah. Oh shit! Look at the uh, for instance, uh, Miles got me on to Nobody Saves the World. Yeah. yeah, I started playing it on Game Pass. I ended up just buying the game. Yeah, it's a cool game. I thought it was worth my money. Yeah, yeah. I played the shit out of it. I think I probably put a good solid fifty, sixty <laughs> hours into that it's game. It's a shame their co-op doesn't work. <laughs> this is true. But, yeah, you know. that is a shame. It's a fun single-player game. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know somebody had even taken offense to to that and were like, oh. Well, are you saying uh, I suck because I only play AAA games? And uh, Young, yeah, put it put it really well. I was like, no, it's fine if you only play triple game A games, but you're really missing out. <laughs> yeah, you're really denying yourself by not playing some of the smaller titles. Yeah, you're the equivalent of the the fanboys that we used to talk to on the podcast, like. Listeners, we used to address fanboys all the time on the podcast. The fact that if you literally are only sticking with one platform and that's the only platform you will ever play. And the only reason you're doing it isn't financially. The only reason you're doing it is because fuck all platforms, fuck all everyone else, but Xbox or fuck everyone else, but PlayStation, fuck everyone else, but PC. If you are only sticking to those platforms simply because these are the only platforms you support and they're the superior platform to you, you're an idiot. You're literally denying yourself the ability to play other games that are fantastic. And that's what Sony has been trying to show you recently with the release of God of War on on, uh, PC, with the release of Spider-Man to come, with the release of Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. They are showing you that these are the games you've been missing out on. So it's like the equivalent of somebody going, uh, I only eat McDonald's. Like, well, that's probably unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of better stuff out there. You, you you have only eaten McDonald's and you refuse to eat anywhere else. Never mind the amount of the plethora of actual flavor out there. Yeah. That you that you could be eating. It's the equivalent of somebody who only eats Taco Bell. I'll only eat Taco Bell. Well, you've never been to a real Mexican restaurant then. Right. Well, no, I I've, I've had Mexican. No, no, no. You have not. <laughs> right. Like that. You've had yeah. It's, okay, text It's fine that you like it, but come on. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're missing out on other things. So and that's that's kind of the the weird that that weird aspect that took place in there and you know, you have the the thing I have to respect about uh state of play is the fact that Sony doesn't just concentrate on state of play. It doesn't just concentrate on just showing off their AAA titles. And I have to, you know, I have to applaud the fact that they they do disperse like these are the smaller titles that are in here. One. <laughs> Except for the previous one. Yeah. Except for the previous one. Yeah. But most like most of their state of plays are about like, hey, here's what's coming to AAA. Here's what's coming to indies. These are the games that we're excited about. These are the games that we want you to know about. And 
even on the like, and that's not just the only place they do that, listeners. If you go to their their main YouTube channel, they promote the shit out of other games that I've never even heard. I had never even heard of from State of Plays or anything like that that just get thrown up there. I'm like, this is cool. Like, what is this? Why haven't you guys show me anything from this on State of Play? Well, because they're not using State of Play just to be the only platform for you to go to to learn about that stuff. So, yeah. okay, well, I have to respect I, the fact that they're they're wanting to show this separately. I did have to laugh though because I get a little taste of the uh, the typical you know PC attitude of like, well, we've had this game for years, kind of thing. Because they'll go, they went onto the State of Play and they showed off things like Tunic, which has been on Xbox for mm-hmm. months now. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. it's a constant thing with them, like the, a lot of the the smaller indie titles. Yeah. Like Game Pass has done a really good job of securing and promoting those. And PlayStation's kind of like just getting them in trickling and like, yeah, "Yeah, I checked it out. That's a cool game. (laughs) Yeah. Or, or they already have it. They've already had it for a while or, and they don't promote it. Yeah. Like they don't show the fact that, Hey, we've actually had this title for a long time and Xbox is just now getting it. Like you guys should have been promoting the shit out of it before that. Like the moment you found out that it was, that it was becoming popular, that should have been like, Oh, we need, we need to show that we have it. Um. And that's one of the other things that, you know, kind of bugs me with the way their PlayStation is heading with their, uh, their PlayStation now service of the fact that they aren't looking They're They're looking at it and going, okay, well, if we do PlayStation now, we make our third party title. If we make our first party titles available solely on PlayStation now as well, then quality will suffer because we won't be able to put as much money into those titles as we usually do versus, you know, when we do 60 bucks a month versus this amount. Uh, or the amount you pay for PlayStation now. Okay. I can, I can understand and respect that. Okay. Uh, and I, and I, and I'm under, I I understand how that works, but Microsoft's been able to do this for their own titles. And is that like, it makes me wonder, like, is micro, are are we seeing Microsoft's titles suffer because of game pass or just Microsoft's titles are suffering because it's, uh, the downfall of a studio like three, four, three halo. Yeah. Halo four was fantastic. I loved it. Halo five was trash. Halo infinite. In my opinion is trash. Listeners, you can argue with me all day about it, but the fact is, is that it's not halo. Right. It's far cry. And you know, so, that, that might be, that might be a huge part of it. Microsoft might've caught on to the same things we did with, Oh, Hey, you know, triple a isn't really where it's at anymore. Yeah, you know, so we might as well hop on board and get uh, these indies pumped out. So, yeah, so <clears throat> you know, are we? You know, that's the thing is like, are, are we seeing Game Pass be a result of it's lowering the quality of their other game titles? We don't, we don't really know uh, until you know, if 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 years down the line, you know, give it a year or two, and, and titles start getting pumped out from AAA developers, like let's say Obsidian. And the title, like, let's say the next uh, Outer Worlds comes out and it's crap compared to the Outer Worlds. Right. If that's the case, then yes, I will have to sit there and concede that, yes, Game Pass is causing a deterioration in AAA titles. But until we see actual evidence of it, I I can't really make that that assessment because Halo 5 was bad and Halo Infinite is bad, in my opinion. So if Halo 5 wasn't on Game Pass, Game Pass didn't even exist. It wasn't even talked about back then. So, yeah. If that sucked, then is that just a deterioration of the studio or deterioration of the funds going into that studio? I think it's a deterioration of the studio. 
<laughs> so or is it, Sony, uh, it has to do with how much money do you want to pump into your, into your studios? How much money do you want to pump into your games? How much money do you want to actually pump into PlayStation now? Probably another factor is, you know, we have slightly better expectations because of indie studios that fucking nail it right yep. from the get go. Yeah. It doesn't help when a smaller studio that makes a fraction of what you make puts out a better game and you go, Hmm, why aren't you guys doing this? Also, it doesn't. Have- I was going to say oh, something positive ahead. about Game Pass on a separate <laughs> tangent. Speaking of like games, you know, because we all tried new games and I fell in love with a handful of them. And I was going to bring up Deep Rock Galactic. Mm-hmm. That studio came out and said because of being on Game Pass, they had a huge uptick in DLC and add on purchases. Enough so they reinvested it and started doing more community things. For yeah, but that's an indie. That's that's the thing that we're getting at is the fact that like that's, yeah. what, what we're what yeah. we're bringing up. I'm is, just saying the positive on top of yeah. that is just you know look at the positive things happening with indie games oh, I, and you give them. A chance. I, yeah, there's there's no argument there. Like overall, I feel like Game Pass has been a benefit to us, and and everything like that. And there's no are there's no real solid argument that can be definitively put into uh, Sony's when Sony backs up saying that oh well you know we can't make we can't do that with PlayStation now because our our titles will suffer. Well, you can't really back that up when we can't really point point no, to enough can't. evidence on Xbox's side that that's taking place. So yeah. until that happens, listeners, we can't really say definitively which one is cr- is the correct way to handle things. Now, <laughs> I think that I think that the the real issue is that in reality, I think most third I, I think most first party companies and most uh AAA companies as well don't put as much time and effort into their titles as Sony does with their studios. I think their studios put more time and effort into making sure that their game is good to go and perfect when it goes to, when I say perfect story-wise, like as better as a, is a better received game than most other studios do. Otherwise you wouldn't have had infinite launching that was, uh, you know, had half-assed multiplayer that had uh, a empty fucking open world and then promising people, Oh, we'll add stuff in later. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like, this is just fucking ridiculous to have that. So I think, I think that comes around as the fact of you just have that. That's where a first party studio is just being one pressured by their publisher. And two, uh, isn't willing to, or doesn't have the, either the time or doesn't want to put in the time to make their titles great anymore. You know, it is that's true across the board. Look at fucking Ubisoft. Yeah. Triple a developers don't hate to lose. That's absolutely it. It's, it's fucking, it's, it's, that's the, the perfect way to put it is fucking Shorzy. They don't hate. It's not the fact that they, that they, that they don't love winning. It's the fact that they don't hate losing. They don't hate to lose. And that's, that's like, that's a fucking perfect message for, I think, I think every generation right now, that's, that's even, even in our generation and lower, they don't hate losing. That's this, this is the fucking, you know, participation trophy syndrome is is the yeah. only way i can put it is the fact of you've you've gotten praised and you know looked to as like oh you guys are doing great regardless of your mistakes and regardless of how badly you're doing you're you don't that you because of that you don't hate to lose yeah if you can't win don't play yeah yeah listeners i'm stealing all this shit from shorzy <laughs> yeah which we're gonna we're gonna review um so yeah i mean it's just it's fucking unreal. So getting back to like studios that were, that we're seeing as like is falling and not, not doing the, uh, 
really not putting not seemingly putting the work into their games anymore whereas what we see with indies that that seem to be pumping out you know really good and well thought out gameplay story stuff like that where we're like okay if an indie can do it why can't you guys do it with a bigger budget yeah yeah you feel the love and effort with a lot of the indies absolutely because they because they live and die by it it's this is it it's all or fucking nothing so let's go and that's what we see that's what we see consistently we see that fucking consistently with serenity forge the fact that you don't see them promoting their their titles even they even if their title might have an agenda to it let's say like their their lo- they had the uh their love story uh half past fate uh even if there's any agenda in that and there might be I'm not saying there is or, or isn't listeners because i've never heard it confirmed by them and that's the thing i've never heard it confirmed by them they've never gone out of their way to try and say oh we have to serve this agenda why because their main concern was we wanted to make a good game and we wanted to make a story that you would enjoy and story that people could play and would get into. That was it. That was all they wanted to do. They basically made a romantic comedy, uh, you know, choose your own, or not really choose your own adventure, but, you know, RPG is an old school RPG. That's it. So like, all right, well, this is fun. Okay. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to have a digital novel. So that was the only goal they had, you know, that the developer had in mind and, or, or will let you have in mind of like, we just want you to enjoy this game. Whereas you have AAA developers right now who are just like, all right, well, our main goal is that we want to put out another game in this franchise. Yeah. And that's it. That's all you get. You don't get like, you don't yeah, get this, you don't get this impression of like, yeah, we, we don't get this, this impression of you wanted to make this great, compelling story with this character that you wanted to kind of do something new and do something fun. Instead, it was just comes across as, oh, it's just another fucking check mark. And that's why that's why it was so different from going from like the your old God of War series versus the new God of War series. You go from the old God of War series, which is all about Kratos's rage and anger and telling the story of Kratos versus the gods and having this incredible journey from the first one. And you go into the next one, you're like, it's a very different kind of story for Kratos of a person who's discovering what it means to be a father, a person that's discovering what it means to change who they are and change you know can a person change their stars and that's you know from a knight's tale and that's the whole thing of like you're watching this this a huge evolution in a character and it came across as we want to be able to tell a different story with the same character that you love but we want to be able to create something new with it and we see that with with franchises coming out of playstation but we don't see that with franchises coming out of out of uh xbox with with regards to old franchises like halo or gears of war we see them just kind of we want to we want to create more of the same from those two studios but you see other studios that they've bought like obsidian who sits there and says we want to tell new stories we want to tell something that's familiar but turn it on its head and make it fun like outer worlds but they bought bethesda and bethesda is going to continue to do series of laughs i've ever gotten out of a game (laughs) <laughs> yep. Yeah, Obsidian Obsidian became a permanent like favorite developer when when I played that game. Just fucking awesome. I'm looking forward to anything else that they make and I'm looking forward <laughs> to more of what more of what they have to contribute to uh the genres that I love. You look at fucking Bethesda and uh, Bethesda's kind of fallen off the map even though they make something similar and 
Obsidian's even worked with them, Bethesda just kind of shows that they don't really care that they're going just going going through the motions is what they're going through. Yeah. So, all right. That's why I have a degree of hope, or you know, not an expectation, but hope that Starfield is actually good. Because it's something different. You know, it'll probably be still in the same vein, like gameplay wise, as Fallout and and, uh, Elder Scrolls, but it's still essentially different. You know. Yeah, listeners. Engine aside. Engine aside. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah. Engine aside, I'm I I am hoping for a tangible fun experience that I've had in the past with Bethesda, even even if their games are buggy. Yeah. Because I can put up with buggy if it's a good game. Yeah. I mean we we you know, seventy six is as much as an experiment as it was and kind of a travesty for programming. Uh we still yeah. had our fun with it. Yeah. Like you know, it's not something that we'll probably ever go back to, but I mean, we've de- we definitely got our money's worth out of it. Yep. Yeah, we had we had our fun. We know that they made mistakes, and we thought that we made fun of the bullshit that they did with the fucking past and all that shit. Oh yeah. But it, you know, in the end, we couldn't recommend it to anybody, but we had a good time uh, with it. <laughs> yeah. Like like we've said in the past, weirdest fucking relationship we've had in a game. But uh, you know. But that, you know, that brings me to like, you know, tra- talking about AAA developers that are falling is the fact of like, we see what's going on with Gotham Knights. Gotham Knights is supposed to be coming out with, you know, co-op and all this stuff, but it is shaping up to be gameplay that doesn't look very good. It doesn't and, seem very cohesive. Like they had the idea there, but didn't they, if even today, uh, it doesn't feel like they have it flushed out to what it's actually supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, you have animations that look wonky stiff. You have gameplay mechanics like the, uh, the way you gain XP, uh, stuff like that. All like there, there are systems in it that look like they're literally designed around, uh, live service, live, and- live service games. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you were not built around microtransactions. Yeah. And from the looks of it, it, those, you know, the stuff that would be the microtransactions have been removed from it. So it seems like a system that was designed around, okay, we're going to do this. And then they suddenly realized, oh, we can't do that. People are going to freak out. People are already saying they're not going to buy our game. So we'll change it into this instead of really thinking what we should do is make a game that is co-op Arkham Asylum. Right. or Arkham City. And that's kind of the focus that they should have had instead of this weird hodgepodge of our, you know, RPG elements and and unlocking shit. I mean, it just seems dumb. So, uh Yeah, I hope I'm I hope we're wrong. I hope it's really fucking cool. Absolutely. I doubt it. Yeah, we want to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's the thing is like we've said this time and time again, listeners. We want to be wrong. We love it. I love it when I'm proven wrong. I love it when I'm proven wrong because it means that my expectations were so fucking low that the company completely comes out and goes, "Yep, we completely blew away any expectations you had," and and it's a great game. When that shit happens, fucking win. It's a win for me. Yeah. It's a win for them. It's a win for every fly for everybody. But when it's shit and I expect it to be shit, I don't lose anything from that. Because it, it was shit to begin with to me. So, well, 
Yeah, I had no expectations for it. The people who lose are anybody who gets hyped for it and turn out turns out go, oh well, that game actually sucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's still even to this day, there's tons of people with uh, back to Fallout seventy six that thought it was going to be a full fledged regular Fallout game. Yeah, like no, like they they literally came out several times saying we're trying something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a multiplayer experience. It's not going to be like Fallout. We directly said it wasn't going to be NPCs, that the story was going to be you discovering things and trying to unfold what took place in the land before you got there. Yeah, we're going to have missions and stuff like that for you to do, but most of it's going to be surrounding this weird kind of hodgepodge of MMO. Yeah, you're like, all right, well, we'll right, give it a try. That's the problem you run into when you try to, you know, bastardize the the IP name. You know, it's yeah. it's going to happen with Resident Evil. It's going to happen. It has happened with Street Fighter. Uh, oh, it's happened. It's happened yeah. plenty of times with Resident Evil. Yeah, it's it's ha- <laughs> Resident it's Evil happened six. now with Resident Halo. Evil Survive. Like, yeah, there there's been plenty of bad Resident Evil games. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you wind up having that name sets an expectation, regardless of what's said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's why t- even today people are like, "Oh, Fallout seventy six is crap because it's not a full Fallout game." Like, no shit. <laughs> you've yeah. been paying attention. You'd know this. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um. So yeah, the uh, we we see this kind of continuing to happen with other franchises, like with Sonic. Uh, Anderson, it was so was Sonic Frontiers was that shown off with state of play uh no that was so uh showed off on sega's little okay. version other whatever you want to call it their monthly announcements or quarterly announcements gotcha. um so sonic frontiers was shown off first we got a, two pretty good cinematic trailers but the ign had an exclusive showing off a gameplay and upon watching the gameplay it looks rough yeah i mean it 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 yeah. looks like it's a fucking tech demo. Yes, yes, it does. And that's the problem. Uh, um, a lot of people have shown like the the running animations look janky. The uh, the the main thing it looks like just Sonic. It looks like just Sonic in a uh, in an open world environment, just kind of thrown in there as the character to explore that environment that they've that they've created. And that's what we mean by tech demo. Yeah. It looked literally looked like they just threw Sonic in the uh, the Unreal Engine tech yeah. demo. I like. Don't get me wrong, listeners. There's there's plenty of uh, there's there's plenty to like about the idea of Sonic in an open world, and it'd be kind of cool to see it. But it has to be well thought out, and it doesn't seem like this has been well thought out. It seems like this is going to fall into the same trap that we've had with other Sonic titles, where it feels uh, like, like a rush game. Yeah, exactly. Like no Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog on Xbox 360. I just absolute garbage. Of a game, uh, I, I'm with Young. Yeah, my bigger, my other other concern is the uh, the art style. It's just uh, Young. Yeah, did a pretty decent review on this. If you want to watch a video, about, like the, the conflicting art styles. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that throws me off too because I'm like, I think Sonic would do better if more of like a cell shaded kind of world, not a realistic looking world, because he looks way out of place. Yeah, I think the problem comes with the the amount of like you have these you have this difference in unreal texturing versus Sonic. Who's kind of a more of like plastic kind of looking in this world. Yeah. It's like, it's like watching it. It's like, 
it'd be like if uh you know buzz lightyear in the next pixar movie who they they've chosen a completely different style for for that and they've done a more uh stylized realistic stylization of buzz lightyear in the same vein as like how they've drawn or how they've done human beings in other pixar movies versus the toy the toy is very plastic and and stuff like that and you know it's plastic it's meant to be plastic in a more uh and as this as the series went on you know especially by toy story 4 is the fact you have this plastic toy in a realistic looking world like realistic textures and stuff like that but you know it's plastic you know it's a toy and in this case you have the same problem only sonic's not supposed to be a toy he's not supposed to be plastic and one of the things that helps sell his you know animated style looking character in a realistic way in the movies is the fact that he still has elements of him that are very well textured that are there that look real and look like you could grasp them and touch them and stuff like that so that helps sell that character as living in a real world right this character is a, it looks like a plastic toy in a realistic environment so i think that the the stylization they need to go i don't know about cell shaded is the right way to go but i think it needs to go with like more it needs to look more kind of like a mario design world of things are kind of more plasticky and smooth you don't have a, a shit ton of texturing going on when it comes to foliage and it comes to trees and stuff like that you go with more of like a plastic feel and i think that would be that would sell it more of like it's an animated world with an animated character instead of an animated character in a realistic world cuz the the world that they showed off is it's like twilight it's it'd be like throwing to me it feels like it's throwing uh link from you know wind wind waker into twilight princess this doesn't work yeah i just I don't, I don't know where else to go with that on the fact of it just kind of, it looked clashes looked weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it's, it's even more of a challenge when you, when your subject is something that's supposed to move really fast. (laughs) So you're just throwing scenery behind this character at high speeds. Yeah. We we had that concern even with uh, Warframe when they came out with the, uh, the Gauss frame. Is how fast it fucking yep. moved. We're like, uh, is it gonna be able to handle this? <laughs> is it gonna crash yeah. the goddamn game? Is it gonna crash the fucking game? It doesn't. It's actually really cool. Yeah, I mean, it, hard to know. control sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah, very difficult to control. <laughs> <laughs> but very cool. Um, is there anything like anything else uh, gaming wise you guys want to talk about or still playing through Sniper Elite? Uh, it's, it's been fun so far. Levels are, are really coolly designed. You know, there's not really any big tech technical jumps or performance jumps in my opinion, as far as, yeah, it looks about on par. Yeah, as, it's about what you expect. You know, sniper four. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, part of game pass. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, supposed to have co-op campaign. We haven't dipped into that yet. Um, nope. But I've been too busy building computers. You know, it's hours in, <laughs> in every map. It's real easy to just spend hours in every map. Yeah. Although they did have that weird thing where it penalized you for sitting too long. Yeah. Uh, so it has the invasion mode, uh, which, you you know, somebody can go into your game or you can go into somebody else's game and basically sabotage them, uh, trying to fuck up their mission. Mm-hmm. 
uh, by Kilm. Uh, well, the thing is, is <laughs> it it has an anti cheat in there that boots you for camping as a sniper yeah. game where a you're sniper supposed game. to be sitting in one spot, you know, in general, yeah, uh, for extended periods of time. Now I don't know yeah, how a, a game... how much of a countdown it has, but it sounded short. Yeah. So that that's yeah, absolutely uh, ridiculous to me. <laughs> it's just fucking stupid. Um so speaking of co-op, uh this just made me think of this. Uh a listener, so you've heard us complain about the co-op situation when it comes to Elden Ring and how retardedly you know, just mind-boggling befuddled that whole system is unnecessarily complicated. <laughs> yeah. Leave it to the mod community to fix a game. And uh, a modder took it upon himself and is creating a true Elden Ring co-op mode. That sounds awesome. If that if that goes into goes into use, I will absolutely download the shit out of that and have you know ask Josiah to do the same thing. And if Miles, you 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 decide to get it uh, eventually, uh, you know get it on your PC and we'll we'll fucking co-op That's the shit. Likely out of that the game. only way I'd play it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the, the reason and listeners, the reason why they're doing this is because Elden Ring doesn't have a true co-op. You can't just go and explore the worlds between with your friends. It, it stops you from doing that because of the way their co-op system works. It's just dumb. And this is going to remove that. This is going to change it to a true co-op system. You can have four player. You, they're going up to four player co-op, four player co-op to be able to just run around the lands between take on bosses and have a true you know, just co-op experience. That kind of has my and, interest now. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's the case, fucking awesome. And right now they're going through beta testing for it to see if it'll work. Uh, if it does, I will absolutely be downloading that mod uh, because I've already gone through the game once, but I would love to go through it with a, a, you know, three, you know, two to three other friends and just have a blast inside, inside of that and just freaking trounce anything that comes up. It's, it'd be fun. Uh, it'd be nice not to have so, to look up anything either. Cause you guys would kind of know yeah, where the fuck to go. And Cause we'd be able to tell you where to go. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Given the amount of shit that I've explored in there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of, and that's the thing is like, uh, Squaresoft, uh, uh, sorry, not Squaresoft. That's fucking old jesus christ squaresoft hasn't been around forever uh yes i often sorry. call square Enix. i still call it squaresoft <laughs> yeah i and i i screw up uh from software sometimes with that yeah. so from software uh if you see that mod and you see how it works and stuff like that my suggestion is make that the actual mode yeah you guys yeah, should just pay the modder and bring it into your game. That's happened before. And I just want to point out that's happened even with Bethesda and the fact of a modder made a, a extended story mod for Skyrim that's available in, in Skyrim anniversary. Uh, but originally it was just a mod and it's a, and now it's a, it's considered a recommended download for every owner of Skyrim because they made it Canon for the game because the the modder was so good at it they were like yeah this this is great dlc we're just going to go ahead and pay him for it <laughs> and that's that's kind of what uh ends up happening in the community sometimes and i would not be surprised if we end up seeing something similar with some of the fallout 4 uh campaigns that modders are making because 
they got tired of waiting on Bethesda to make more Fallout uh, games and more Fallout experiences for a single player group. And so they've we've got Fallout London that's being that's being developed. It's still a little wonky, but the uh, given the fact that it's being made by one person, it's impressive. <laughs> it's being made by uh, one on person that alone. for a Bethesda game. <laughs> yeah, so it's already going to be wonky to begin with. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but it, I mean, considering what they're doing, it looks great. It's fully voiced. They're they're doing a really cool job. There's Fallout Miami. I'll be disappointed. There's not a Florida man in class. Wouldn't be surprised if it's an outfit. <laughs> Would not be surprised at all. Uh, I could see the crocodile, <clears throat> the alligators being fucking terrifying after being mutated. Yeah, I mean, it's just like some of the community. Like some, this is what happens within the modding community is the fact that sometimes the modding community just gets tired of waiting. They go, "Fuck it, I'm going to fix it myself." And they do. And that's it. While, while it's awesome to see at the same time, listeners, that's not the way it should be because I want to point out that that's kind of what ended up happening with uh, Diablo. Like, so with Diablo 2, mining community got tired of dealing with the uh, Blizzard shit and said, fuck it, we're going to fix it ourselves. And they did. And that's why you ended up getting patches that were considered unofficial patches from uh, that were even distributed by the developers themselves. Because the modders just went, fuck it, I'm going to fix it. You guys aren't going to do the job. I'll do it. It's like back when Insomniac, I had a, I remember writing into Insomniac a long time ago and telling them, hey, you guys should add in uh, legacy controls for legacy uh, thumb, you know, legacy thumbstick uh, users. Because two of my friends use legacy controls and they want to be able to play uh, Resistance. And they're like, yeah, it looks like a cool game, but it doesn't have legacy controls. So I have a hard time playing default. So I'll, you know, I'll just not play it. And I told them, I was like, you know, you guys could just add this. And they acted like I was the asshole because I asked them to add something so simple. Now, here's the funny thing, listeners. I talked to a modder and asked them to, hey, could you write the code for this really quick? And they said, yes. And they did it. And then they sent it to me. Code for legacy controls. And, sent, and I sent it into Insomniac. And I said, how fucking hard was that? And they didn't implement it. They just wrote back and told me I was a smart ass. And I said, you damn right. I'm a smart ass. Now do your fucking job. But that's how, that's how ridiculous developers are. They just, Oh, well, we're not going to do it because you asked like, that's how fucking assholeish they are. Right. So if you don't think any of those guys exist, they exist in that industry tremendously. Something as simple as just adding in legacy controls was considered an assholeish thing for me to ask for. When they just turn around like, oh, or they could just play default and learn how to use that. I'm like, yeah, well, you could say the same thing. I could say the same thing to people who play with inverted controls too, or you could just learn how to play like everybody else. But you don't see me doing that because, you know, Josiah has a birth defect (laughs) (laughs) and he plays with inverted controls. My dad plays with inverted controls. I don't. I play with default. I have for a long time, but I used to have to play with legacy controls because I played Goldeneye. I had to learn how to play with that. That was weird. So if it was available then, why isn't it available now on, on, on all games? Well, because developers just want to be fucking lazy. That's it. They want, they want to be fucking lazy. And it is laziness. Insomniac, it was absolute laziness. Going on to other news in uh, the entertainment industry is uh, we have apparently Arachnophobia is getting a, a remake, Anderson, right? Okay, so it's Christopher Landon, uh, the creator and writer of Freaky, Happy Death Day 1 and 2. 
He's he said he's gonna keep with the whole comedy base that Jeff Daniels did in the first movie. Okay. And the fact that he was a huge uh, John Goodman fan, even John Goodman's in talks. It sounds like either it's gonna be a uh, remake or it's kind of like a remake sequel. Because right now Christopher Landon's attached to it, and so is John Goodman returning as his character. Gotcha. I was just kind of thrown off because I wasn't, you know, that's a movie you don't expect them to be coming back in the nowadays. No. But I've also liked Christopher Landon's work. That's why I want to put it in here. Um, I've liked every movie he's, the three movies that he's pumped out, I liked every one of them. Yeah, I mean, he seems to have a a good grasp on the kind of genre that he likes to write and the style that he that he chooses to write in. So, I yeah, I'm down with it. I I'd be happy to see what he what he creates and uh, hopefully it's good. Hopefully it continues yeah. that streak. Should I just got done rewatching Freaky of the Day and just that whole uh, whiskey bottle scene? Still, just oh man, that's brutal. That whole movie is great. I love Freaky. Yeah, it's a great uh, movie. Vince Vaughn did a great job in that. So, who would have thought Vince Vaughn was a great teenage girl? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how anybody got through that fucking movie without losing their shit every single time. Just dying every fucking time. So I have a little hope in the Arachnophobia remake coming out. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, we've, we've said before, a, a reboot and a remake are two different things. And this sounds more like a reboot. Uh, just a reboot be. of a franchise. And they can be good and they can be complete dog shit. It really just depends on, it really does depend on the respect that is shown to what came prior. And if they have any respect whatsoever for it, they won't drop what's come prior to it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving on to reviews. If you guys are down, we got a uh, love death and robots season three dropped and I don't have Netflix listeners. I have watched the first episode that was available on YouTube. That was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, I haven't seen the rest of the season. You guys have seen the rest of the season and based off of what I understand, it is phenomenally better than season two. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Above. <laughs> I would say this is probably a very much horror themed season. Okay. I enjoyed all but one episode. Yeah, the yeah the uh, the final episode of the season's kind of kind of shitty, it but it's, it's mostly for with it. it's mostly for art choice, really. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't look and feel good, um, and so okay. that story kind of suffers because you're you're distracted with uh, the yeah. shitty kind of representation, and especially when you hold it uh, as a standard. Uh, the rest of the season is a kind of a standard to go off of. Um, it's yeah. significantly the worst of the of the season. But other than that, I mean, it's almost as good as the first season. I think overall, I like a lot of the ones, just like the very first season. There were so many episodes that I wanted full movies of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially the. Uh, the Night of the Mini Dead, or the, whatever that one was called, I would have totally watched yeah. that as a full movie. Um, the vast majority of the the episodes that they have, I wish could be expanded on. That's see, that's a good sign. So that means that like the the third season has a lot of memorable uh, episodes. 
Whereas the first in the, in the, 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 so the third season does that. The, the first season definitely did that. The second season didn't have that at all. So the second season no, had, it had like one, maybe two episodes. Yes. Yeah, if there, I remember right from the there's second maybe, season. Yeah. There's maybe two episodes that I can remember and recall stuff from. But other than that, like that is a massively forgettable season. And that, that was the part, that was the part that was really the, the saddest part about season two. And just talking with you guys about season three. I mean, season three sounds like it is just one of those things where like, all right, this is memorable. This is memorable. This is a really cool story. Like it's something that you'd yeah. want to see them continue with and, and build off of. But at the same time, it's also something you want to go back and revisit. Whereas like season two didn't work. I've, I've watched season one several times. I watched season two once and that was it. That was all I felt yeah. compelled to watch. I was like, all right, all right I'll watch I, it once. I could tell you now, Vargo, in this season, there's going to be like a couple of them that you're going to want to rewatch. All right. That sounds really good. Yeah. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm of, looking forward to watching it. It's kind of weirdly bookended by the, uh, the worst of the, the season, like the first, first episode you and yeah, I watched. That on was YouTube. a weird choice to make that the final one. Yeah. The, the first episode you and I watched on YouTube and it was funny, but it wasn't great. You know? Yeah. And, uh, the, and then the last episode is just not good, but yeah. the rest of it in between fucking golden. Yeah, that is kind of weird. Usually you put the less or the 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 less appealing episodes in the middle of something so that you people are just kind of like, all right, I'll watch this. Ah, that wasn't very good. I'll move on to the next one. And then that yeah. that next one's just like, all right, that was fucking killer. Sticking with the season, gonna keep going through. You don't end it with the that was shit. <laughs> um all right, well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm looking forward to on top of looking forward to watching Stranger Things four, I'm looking forward to watching that in in its entirety on uh, on Netflix once I get my uh, my membership back. But uh, you guys have been back watching the uh, Ricky Gervais special. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to watch that too. Um, yeah. So Stranger Things uh, season four has uh, season four volume one has dropped. Uh and you guys have watched that and uh, listeners, we've talked about this before we we, we did the podcast, but you guys have talked that up pretty good on the fact that it's as good as the, the first, you know, everybody keeps saying is as good as the first season or better than the first season. I still think season three was just as good, if not better than the first season, in my opinion, but I loved season three. Um, but uh, just that alone, I mean, that's, that's kind of hyped it up for me. Uh, so with season four, is it, is it like, would you, would you consider it more of the same or, or is it, you know, is it better or like an evolution of, of where it was heading? I think it's, it's an evolution it's really, where it's going. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a continuation of the story. You yeah, need the first no, seasons. You can't just start cold Turkey in this season. You got to watch the previous ones that kind of have a backstory. Well, going I on. would hope so. I just mean yeah. like in, in the, the, the horror sci-fi aspects of it is like, you know, oh yeah, they, went, they went back to horror in this season. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's a continual build. It's it's pretty much exactly what you would kind of expect from Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh just you don't know the specifics. <laughs> gotcha. But you know the the quality uh the to expect and you know that uh is pretty much there the entire time. Gotcha. Uh my biggest gripe and it's not even a big gripe is one of the characters seems kind of played down uh, this season compared to the previous. And that's kind of disappointing 
Okay. But, uh, well, really two characters kind of, kind of toned down in my opinion, but it's not enough to truly bug me. It's literally just a nitpick. Okay. Definitely worth the watch. I'm eager to see the, uh, the other end, the ending of this volume ending of this season. Okay. Whatever you want to fucking call it. as. <laughs> I think for me, like what's really helping me out is this time around so far for this series. This is probably my favorite villain yet. And it always helps that when you have a good villain for a series. And I think this yeah. time around for this season, I, I, I really enjoy the villain. I want to give away too much or talk about it. When you have a lackluster villain or you have a lackluster character, that's anything that's kind of, that has the drive story. It hurts the, it hurts the overall show. Right. And this, this villain is pretty menacing And this villain so far has not held back their punches when they show up. Nice. Speaking of villains, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, (laughs) the, uh, the first three episodes have dropped, uh, and you guys have watched it. And uh, listeners, I haven't watched the show. I decided a while back that I didn't want to watch Kenobi. And for, for my personal reasons, is the fact that I didn't want to see canon being rewritten for no fucking reason, other than the fact that they just wanted to bait people in with nostalgia feels for the fact that Ewan McGregor is playing Kenobi again. And uh, I kind of right. saw that as being the main case for why they were doing this. And without actual, you know, without actual real story to drive the character, and I knew they weren't going to involve any of the uh, EU because there have been books in the past that have described things that have happened with Obi-Wan in his time on Tatooine and the stuff that he encountered and why he stayed away from Luke and all that stuff. But they decided to ignore all that, obviously, and they were just going to make their own show. So I was like, well, I'm not going to watch it because for me, Star Wars kind of the, the real Star Wars for me is the extended universe back in the day before they decided to get rid of it, all of those stories are a thousand times better than anything we've gotten from, from Disney period. And that includes the Mandalorian. As much as I like the Mandalorian, everything else in the past was better. Sorry. Uh, I feel like I'm right. taking member berries, but it's, it's just the way it is. So that's, that's the reason why I didn't watch it, but the guys were going to, we're, we're going to watch it. I mean, for miles, you've always said it's, it's more star Wars. It's more star Wars. Uh, and normally that's enough to let me ignore any real gripes or nitpicks I might have for the most part and, and be able to enjoy the movie or story or whatever is going on. Uh, and the first two episodes that was working just fine. Uh, I was enjoying the first two episodes like, okay, well I'm curious to see where this goes. Uh, I mean, ultimately I know where it ends up. Um, and then I watched the third episode, uh, two, two days ago, I think it was. Yeah. And, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi is my second favorite character in the entire Star Wars universe that I know. And, mm-hmm. you know, or, or I should say the the cinematic universe. And to see him basically just be turned into this weak, limp-wristed bitch <laughs> is just not going to fly with me. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to continue watching the series just because... I feel like I feel like I'm watching somebody get tortured, you know. Like I don't want to see this shit. Yeah. Like watching Crystal Skull all over again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, I I can't recommend it to anybody. Uh 
I can't either. So listeners, the guys can spoil anything they want for me. I we're going to ask them. You know, I'm going to ask that they don't do it for the podcast right now, but we will do a spoiler cast. I have heard so many leaks uh, prior to the show coming. And I've also heard, I, I also had in the entirety of episode three spoiled for me and I don't really care. Uh, but when I heard miles talking about it, I, I totally understood exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah, it's, it's everything that I thought it would end up being in my opinion. And it's the, the equivalent of what I saw from Dr. Strange. The fact you're, you're watching a character be deconstructed for no fucking reason. Yeah. Yeah. Practically fucking castrated. Right yeah. So Anderson, I got to ask you from, from episodes one through three, how did you feel? Uh, so for me, the first two episodes, the pacing wasn't there. It was terribly, terribly paced. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard similar complaints. Yeah. So I had my, my better half watch it cause she's 10 times more patient than I am. She was getting bored <laughs> watching it. My thing is I'm with miles. Obi-Wan's one of my favorite characters in the cinematic universes. And yeah, watching them, those movies, he's probably the best lightsaber fighter we've ever had on live screen. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to become a little bitch, I don't really like that. Yeah. It's him and Darth Maul. <laughs> and I had I went ahead and rewatched the General Grievous fight again, just so I had yeah. optimism because that's one of my favorite fights is when Obi Wan just wipes the floor of Grievous. Yeah, because yeah. Grievous thought he was a badass of his four lightsabers, and Obi Wan just wipes the floor with him. Yep. That and the villain so far that they're making for the season, they're not doing a good job creating a character out of it. There's a lot of controversy going around that character right now, but just as somebody who's been watching it, I just don't care about the villain. Not yeah. at all. Right. Disney, and, not everyone that care, not everyone's a racist who doesn't like a badly written character. Yeah. Just I have absolutely you guys no know problem that. with any of the characters. Like I, but I don't know anything about the extended universe or, you know, legacy tales or anything like that. Yeah. So she's I not, she's not even a character that's been in the series at all. Like she's not even known. Yeah, but, uh, she's a new so, character. I mean, yeah, it doesn't change the fact that I, I have no problem with this character. Right. Like, you know, and not going to be like winning awards or anything like that. You know, certainly not going to be landing on anybody's fucking favorite list. Yeah. But, you know, I I don't. I personally don't understand where any grievance comes from for the character other than being created for the show. Make sense. I get that. The grievances that I've seen are the fact that she's just badly written. The fact yeah, that she's yeah. instantly I mean, wants the show's badly written. <laughs> well, yeah, that, and that's the thing is like is, is that people keep bringing up the fact that she's badly written in Loach. Like when I was talking about Loach, Loach was like, well, you know, when I when he hears badly badly written, he means every, he thinks that, that means everything. For some reason, he thinks it takes it to the extreme of everything about him. No, the thing that makes the, the badly written character is the fact that this character comes in and has you have no you have no degree of like what their aspirations are, what they love. There's nothing like you don't have any kind of mystique around them. Like with Vader, Vader was this mysterious character that you didn't have any kind of grasp on the fact of why they were doing what they were doing, but they didn't come in with an attitude of, I can do anything I want. Otherwise you just go, well, this is just an arrogant prick. And that's the thing that yeah. people are seeing from this character is the fact that they're just like, well, I'm good at everything. I don't need this kind of guidance. I don't need anything. I'm the best. And that's what people see. Yeah. And they go, well, that's a badly written character because you have nothing that backs up why they feel this way, how this got to the, or how they got to this, why their arrogance, nothing like that. And I because just take of, it as blind ambition. And that's honestly. it. And like, because of that she's not a likable character, she's not an enjoyable character yeah. to, to watch. And yet she's taking so much, or she's taking focus 
away from the main character of the show simply because they want to tell a story for her while not building her up at all. And that's the problem that people have with her. It has like everything that I've written has nothing to do with anything else. It just has to do with the fact that she's just poorly written and they go, she's just a badly written character. If you guys did like if they, when I, when Loach and I were talking about this earlier, I had brought up the fact that if they had done an entirely different show prior to Kenobi and done an, a show just about the inquisitors themselves, what caused, like what created them or well, who created them, Vader, why they exist in the first place, who they were before they were inquisitors, what led them to becoming inquisitors, the training that they had to go through, the torture that they endured in order to become this way. That would be a very different show because you'd have a very different character to look at after that going into Kenobi because you'd have a character that you, I know this person's backstory. I know exactly why they're exactly like this, Yeah. but instead you're getting, it's the equivalent of like, you're getting a character that you're supposed to vilify and, and hate. And the reason why people will vilify and hate them is because they're just arrogant and just a piece of shit right away. And that's all you're getting to see. You're not getting anything else from it. You're not getting this whole thing like, hey, you know, people are supposed to hate Vader and the fact that he's just evil. And he is. He's just evil. But he is, in Star Wars, one of the most intriguing characters they ever created because over the the story arc of three movies, they had established the fact that he was this evil character that you didn't know much about to a character that turns out to be the father of the main character to this character that has their entire history pent up inside them that it, they they just go fuck this shit i'm not going to kill my son i'm going to kill this fucker that created a character like holy shit there's a lot more to this character than i th- ever thought there was and then on top of that you add in the prequels you add in the clone wars and you have this built up entire storyline of anakin throughout the years of the kind of person that he was and the kind of person he became so you have this really well developed character Versus a character that you've had three episodes with. And that's all you've gotten. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to start thinking, we're supposed to start, you know, following this character and kind of be on board with them. There's nothing really good about them that I can care about. It's the equivalent of throwing in a random character into a TV show like Smallville. Oh, I'm supposed to care about this character, this person. This person's been in one episode or two episodes. I don't care fucking anything about them. It takes time to build up. Well, it takes time for this character to build up. Yeah, it'd be like, uh, you know, making a Superman show and making half of the attention be about Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Why am I? Why am I hearing? What? Why do I? Why should I care about this person at all? In three episodes, why should I care about this? And that's the problem is they only have like I think it's, they only have like six episodes for the total season. I, I could be wrong, listeners. They might. They might have. It might more. be seven, but yeah. That's uh, it. But it's it's a short season. You're not getting a full blown show about this. So in this amount of time, you're supposed to care about this person. So are they doing bad storytelling, and that's what's causing the hatred for them, or is it racism? Well, I doubt it's racism. I think it's just bad storytelling, and you have bad writers. Yeah. Unless there's for any of you out there who might be going, oh well, you have to give it time. You have to give them more time to build up the character. Well, I would love to, but the problem is, is they're fast tracking a hero. That's exactly what's happening. They're trying to fast track a main character that is actually going to become the main character of the show. That's actually going to be the hero of the show. I guarantee you, Obi-Wan will fail again, and this will be the person that saves him. That's the way they're going to do it. They're fast tracking a hero. They're going to try and 
force you to like this person, force you to think this person's great and wonderful without having any background or anything like that, just because they're going to come in and be the great savior for Obi-Wan Kenobi, who will have failed again. And then Disney, who won't understand why fans are turning their backs on Obi-Wan, are turning their backs on Star Wars, and why things aren't working out, will then blame the fans because, oh, it's our fault that we don't like their story. It's our fault that they are bad storytellers. Kind of like how Lucas kind of turned his back on a lot of the fans when he made Indiana Jones 4 and the Crystal Skull. I mean, we're talking about a movie that Steven Spielberg even looked at him and went, are you sure about this? Like, double questioned him. And Lucas like, oh, no, it's going to be great. And then fans didn't like it. And then they couldn't understand why. Really? You couldn't understand it? But at least Lucas and Spielberg had the common decency not to turn around and call their fans bigots or racists because they didn't like watching their hero get castrated on screen. And that's basically what Disney is doing with Obi-Wan. They're doing that to, with Kenobi because they can. We're talking about a group of people who don't even like they don't even know about the prequels. They don't know. For some reason, don't know that Kenobi knew who Vader was. For some reason, they don't know that there's an entire scene in Revenge of the Sith where Vader is bestowed upon Anakin Skywalker and Yoda and Kenobi watch it. They see it. They know exactly what's going on. So how does Kenobi not know who Vader is? It's such bullshit. Disney doesn't know crap about their own franchises that they own, and they put people who don't care in charge of them. But you and I as fans, we're not allowed to have an opinion. We're not allowed to voice when they're doing something wrong because we're just supposed to be, you know, clap and or, 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 or every time they give us more because we're the ones that are supposed to be doing tricks for them. Because according to Disney, we're just supposed to say, thank you. Can I have another every time they do something with Star Wars? Because Lucas kept us depraved of it for so fucking long. But the point is, is that we knew something was off the moment Disney automatically went on the preemptive defensive with the actress of saying, oh, you're going to get a lot of hate because you're black. She's black in her entire life. She's never experienced racism whatsoever. That'd be impressive to me because I'm white and I've experienced it. But no, what they were trying to do is, oh, no, all negative thoughts, all negative opinions about your character is because you're black. It has nothing to do with the poor writing that we have. It has nothing to do with the bad storytelling that we have involved with your character or the fact that we haven't built you up at all to bring you into this role. It's the fact that they're just racist. And that's exactly what it was. They were just trying to preemptively make sure that she knew all the fans are racist that say these things. And that none of the legitimate criticism of her character or the legitimate criticism of the show in general should be seen as objective. Now, does that mean you should DM the actress? No, because she's doing her job. She's doing her job the way it was written. And just because the writing's bad doesn't mean she should get the, the brunt into that. She has no control over what they do with story because it's fucking Disney. They don't give control over to anybody else but themselves, especially Kathleen Kennedy. Now, can you DM Kathleen Kennedy? Well, good luck. I mean, I'm sure she'll probably block you, but you can let her know she's doing a terrible job. And I think overall, Disney is doing a terrible job with Star Wars. They have terrible writers who don't know anything about the lore. They have nobody who's actually sitting there checking lore as they're making anything. This is clear with Obi-Wan. They don't even care about the lore that they have at their hands. I mean, 
They had 30 something years of fucking books they could have gone through for story. And they chose to ignore all of those and say, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to do our own thing. Sounds pretty fucking familiar. Paramount with Halo. Mmm, sounds real familiar when Hollywood can't follow a fucking roadmap. Like the actress doesn't deserve any hate. They don't deserve any hate for the way they play the character. They don't deserve any hate for just how the character is in the show because they're doing their job exactly how they're supposed to be, you know, played. They're playing the character as they've been asked. Same thing went for the actress who played Rose. She got a lot of crap for no reason. The simple fact that everyone knew why the character was being thrown in. It was a dumb story, but they knew she was just being thrown in to be a love interest or an extra love interest for Finn. So for some reason, deranged fans decided to attack the actress and throw threats and stuff like that to her for no fucking reason other than the fact that they didn't like her character. When what they should have been doing was not not threatening, but they should have been throwing all their shade over at the writers and directors, and in this case, writer and director, who was intentionally trying to shape the Star Wars universe to whatever he wanted to fucking do. It took me a brief second because you're like, Rose is like, Doctor Who Rose? (laughs) (laughs) No, Rose from uh, The Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I got you. (laughs) She was a crap. Rose is amazing. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It was a crap character that was just thrown in. Yeah, like it, it made no sense. The only reason why she was brought in was because they were going to try and create a love triangle between her, Finn, and Ray, and that was it. And that didn't go anywhere. And yeah. you know, Ryan Johnson, she fucking, we, we should just go. All right, well, it, it's it's you're going to get gri- you're going to get grief regardless. And people should be addressing the show creators and just telling them it's a badly written character, it's a badly written show. Yeah. You guys need to do better. And and her, you know for for to her credit you know for what she has to portray you know i think she does a good job i think i think she acts well it's just not a lot to go off of there at least that she's not my problem with the uh with the show in all reality anyways but yeah she's not a very well-written character like i said it's 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 badly written you you should be blamed you know listeners if you have a complaint blame the writers if you have a complaint go go to the writers and disney when people complain about a character don't immediately lambast them as racist, misogynist, or you know, bigots or anything like that. Just take the criticism and move the fuck on. Yeah. yeah don't try to scapegoat your problems. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I mean, I've heard, I've, I've heard from you, I've heard from Anderson, uh, Loach. Listeners, Loach likes it. He thinks it's decent. Uh, he's still getting more Star Wars. He doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really care. Um, yeah. Loach yeah, is more, one, uh, like is more easygoing fan. Is- yeah, as I said off of off of cast, you know, this was kind of this was kind of a Boba Fett moment for me. Like I stopped watching yeah. the Boba Fett series because it felt like they weren't trying. You know, it felt like yeah. they weren't taking the shit seriously. And yep. it's the same thing if you're kind of going on now. Like look, you're, you're not going to take, take this seriously, seriously, I'm, I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's how it, that's how it seemed like uh I mean, I was listeners, I was listening to Miles while he was while he was watching it and he was just like this is trash. Yeah. This is fucking lame. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I totally get that. So like what, how he felt watching that and watching what takes place in episode three, that's how I felt watching Dr. Strange. Do we think that Disney needs to take it back and rewrite it and stuff like that? No, because it's never going to go away. It's already there. But as far as I'm yeah, concerned, we know they're not going to do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. But as far as I'm concerned, the real Star Wars for me ended back with the EU. It ended back when, you know, before they erased all the, uh, the legacy stuff. But it is an extreme disappointment because I fucking love Ewan McGregor as, as Obi-Wan. 
Yeah. You know? Fucking great character. And it feels like kind of got robbed of it, yeah. you know, because they put him in a shit show. Yeah, while the original Obi-Wan was good, it was good. He only we only got to experience him in one episode and not even for the full for the full film. And Ewan McGregor really brought a character to life. And yeah, absolutely. And that's and it's disappointing to see when a character like that that you love ends up seemingly being disrespected by those who should be treating it with not kid gloves, but just with respect to what yeah, was created. When the new trilogy was coming out. I was hoping up and down that Ray was going to be a fucking long lost Kenobi. <laughs> oh yeah. That would have been badass, actually. But that's what we were all hoping for. Um, that hope got dashed. Yeah. Quick. I mean, instead, instead <laughs> listeners, what we have is the star Wars or what we have is the Skywalker saga and the Palpatine trilogy. Yeah. And anyone who wants to argue with me with that, good luck. Yeah. They're like Palpatine's granddaughter. The fuck? Yeah, that was so weird. Where the hell did this come from? That was yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there's a a lot of theories around that and how that's going and why that exists. But, uh, and I, I'm totally on board with the fact of the pal. Like, so the one of the theories for it is that the pal is that she as a because there's no real explanation as to at least as far as I know, listeners at this point. There's no explanation as to why Ray's, how Ray's father is even the son of Palpatine. Well, the current ongoing theory is that he's actually just a clone of Palpatine, and as such, seen as Palpatine's daughter or as as Palpatine's son, he was a clone that escaped or was was taken out of the facility, and as a result, ended up having a, a relatively normal life until he was discovered and had Ray. Uh, I think that's a cool idea. Uh, it would make more sense with the lore, given the fact that Palpatine didn't seem to be in any kind of way, shape or form able to have kids. Uh, I don't know anybody that would sleep with that. I mean, right. He, yeah, you guys, I might not remember this, but he, he, <laughs> he looks pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty fucked up before using force yeah, lightning. Before using <laughs> yeah. force lightning. So just, just going to put yeah, that out there. Do me favors. Yeah. And Mace so Windu made him pay for it before taking him out. <laughs> right. So that's, that's the on, that's the, the fan theory for it. And I think that's probably more accurate. I think that's so you're thinking kind of like a, uh, Django to Boba kind of theory. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as a loving relationship. Yeah. Right. So that would make, that would make more sense, but it's still not a Skywalker saga. I mean, you know, you guys say, oh, Kylo Ren. Well, Kylo Ren's not a Skywalker. <laughs> Sorry. That's not, solo. How, that's not how last names work. <laughs> He's a solo. No, I mean, he does share the blood of a Skywalker. He does, but it's not his story. Not mainly his story. It's no. mainly Ray's. Ray's Palpatine. It's a Palpatine trilogy. <laughs> so, yeah, the uh, Disney kind of continues to try and die on the sore, the, you know, die on the lightsaber of trying to create characters that are uncompelling that people are just instantly supposed to like just because instead of creating characters that have build up and have actual motivations and are relatable on the simple fact of they're a human being and they have aspirations that we all can understand. And when a character just comes on screen and is completely arrogant, well, we don't really, you know, most, most people don't really go along with that. That's just what's happening. So going on to 
other stuff that's uh, that's that's come out and uh, hopefully some better news for everybody. Uh, Shorzy, the offshoot of Letterkenny, was premiered on Hulu. And uh, Miles, what'd you think? It was fucking great. That was gold. Yeah. Um, now I still I still enjoy you know Letterkenny more, but yeah. this just gives me more Letterkenny. And uh, you know the the banter, you know is doesn't doesn't miss out in any shape or form absolutely uh uh i kind of miss having some of the other characters but i mean the the cast of characters that they had for this were fucking great yeah the cast is hysterical uh the writing is the the comedic writing is so well timed on how everything works like I, I honestly don't know how they even get through a section without losing their shit and there's times where you can see Actors or actresses oh, yeah. are starting to just laugh. It's like, how many times did they do this before? They're like, no, we'll just use that one. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> and the coach this time, like you could tell he had the hardest face a handful of times. Uh, the coach, the uh, the owner, the uh, uh, press gal, yeah. uh, they were all losing their shit at some yeah. point. Yeah, or another. yeah. There's the, there's a fucking part where uh, uh, Shorzy, the actor that plays him, I can't remember his name, Jared Kiso. Um, Jared Kiso. He he's also the the creator of of Shorzy and the one of the creators and writers for Letterkenny, right? Yeah, I always forget the other guy's name. Yeah, the, the other guy plays the uh, the pastor, the, the gay pastor, every other fucking role. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, so he there there's a there's several points where he is just trying so hard not to lose it, and one of the funniest parts is when they're doing the family reunion is like that was that was the part where they just let him let him laugh because fuck me like there are so many moments where there's just like he's just starting to lose his like getting ready to lose his shit you can see it on screen while he's trying to recite his lines like dude some of those some of those lines are so just hilarious and it's one of those things that it gives me it these are the kind of things where i'm just like it gives me hope of the fact that like there's not everything gets ruined or gets ruined by the woke and the SJWs. It gets, you know, there's times where that stuff just gets passed and it's funny as shit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it's always nice to have reminders like that. Like with, uh, you know, Netflix's uh, Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Special or uh, the boys, you know, it's just, Oh yeah. A, a level of just not giving a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Just fuck it. We're just going to say whatever the fuck we want. We're going to do it. Uh, this this isn't our main focus. This isn't our main goal. Our main goal is to tell a story and be fun. You know, George Carlinism, right? So, if you, yeah, I mean, Anderson, you saw Shorzy, right? Oh, dude, I binged it in one day. Oh, is he? It's easy. It's only six episodes. I know, and it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, um, it is just absolutely hilarious. You get to explore and, the. Uh, the the hockey world inside Letter Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, technically outside of Letter Kenny because he's it's yeah. it's in another uh, another yeah. town, but inside this world <laughs> yeah. they created. Yeah, I just it's it's so funny and listeners. That's where the the line of uh, they you know they don't hate to lose comes from is from Shorzy yeah. and the fact that I loved hearing like I loved hearing the mentality of that character and expanding on how that character views things. The fact of why he's so sarcastic, why he acts the way he acts, 
giving him the the background upbringing of what they did with the family reunion episode i was like man all of this makes sense for this character they've done such a good job of building him up even more and the fact like the fact like they talk about that he cries before every game he cries before every game because he cries for the national anthem for the canadian national anthem i was like that's fucking hilarious that is beautiful for a character like that so and he his whole like persona like yeah yeah he's an asshole just like many of us on the podcast but he's not a heartless asshole and that's that's kind of the the kind of running theme with the character the fact that he he acts the way he acts because he doesn't want to lose he he it's not that he loves winning he hates losing fucking hates losing and i respect the hell out of that i think that was that's a great way to 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 take that character the fact that it's not just about winning it's about the fact that they hate fucking losing and he's on a team that's just a losing team play (laughs) if you can't win don't play um so yeah lots of uh really good comedy lots of uh really funny moments and uh i i enjoy the fact that they get they get the the female characters into some of the raunchy humor just as much as the guys and uh Mm -hmm. that's something that's that's been in letter kenny as well it's something that translates well over here great oh man the raunchy humor that was happening in the manager's office had shorzy like i don't want to participate this is too much right (laughs) yeah it's fucking hysterical uh so moving on to the boys season four uh has begun they had the first three episodes drop and uh thank you amazon for that we appreciate it um very funny very good uh way way over the top with uh with uh the dicks just saying if, if you're going to show me dicks you got to show yeah. me tits at some point come on <laughs> in all things balance just uh you know yeah, give me was, some balance uh, there that was uh some brutal opening yeah oh uh, man <laughs> Like, it, don't get me wrong. I still appreciate the not giving a fuck factor in that sense. I respect the shit out of that scene, but uh, I don't need to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not something I need to watch. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, but so, yeah, so far, I mean, they've done a really good job of the uh, evolving uh, Homelander's character beyond the the narcissistic asshole that he was into this narcissistic yeah, he's, psychopath. He's, he's becoming. Yeah. He's just full on fucking breaking. And, uh, that's, that's terrifying for that universe. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's the equivalent of Omni man. Yeah. We're getting close to it. So we will, we'll see how that, uh, all evolves without trying to give away, you know, any spoilers. It's not even his character evolving. Like Huey too. He was had some major leaps and Brown, uh, bounds from the very first episode. All of them really Huey, like every single, every single character they've, they've had this, this jump in kind of how the character is just changing and the events that have taken place over the last several seasons. Uh, really, really, really good stuff. And the writing is, has stayed up to par on the fact of, you know, like you said, not giving a fuck of the fact of having the not give a fuck humor in there, making fun of <laughs> all sides and not worrying about yeah. whether you're woke, whether you're anti-woke. They don't give a shit. Totally on board for that. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, uh, and it's it's not really giving anything away, uh, so long as I don't bring up any specific examples. Yeah. But the theme park. I yeah. was losing my shit. I was having a Dying. fucking giggle fit. Yeah. <laughs> Dying watching that. That was so, so hysterical. Um, <laughs> it's so irreverent. It, That's the word for yeah. it. Fucking irreverent. Irreverent. Yeah. Absolutely. Just a a complete reference to just how fucked off our cult our culture is becoming and making fun of it in that so great yeah loved it um and i'm looking forward to more looking forward to how yeah. uh they take or you know the directions they take butcher uh i think that they did a fantastic job of showing the way that character has had to the amount of not without giving away too much the amount of restraint that characters had to have over yeah. the events that have taken place because this takes place a, a year later listeners. So keep that in mind. It's a year later after what we saw at the end of season three and what he's kind of had to endure for his own personality and how he reacts to things typically. And you're, you see that completely come out of the fact of just all their, fr- all of his frustration come out at one point in, in the I, show. And it, I was, it was a, an epic moment of like, God damn. Yeah, about the only thing that hasn't changed, really, the only person that really hasn't changed is how much of a comedic punching bag the deep still is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that scene I, with the deep this time. There was a point where I was, like, I was like, yeah, he was a mouth rapist, but at this point I kind of feel sorry for him. <laughs> like, don't get wrong, he was a complete piece of shit, but wow. Yeah. <laughs> Does he just He's gotten his come up through the and fucking some. calls? He is, yeah, he has gotten his come up with some, then some. I think everybody's uh, gonna, I think Homelander's gonna give it to everybody this season. Yeah, Loach fully expects Homelander to have a Thanos moment of just wiping everybody out. So, listeners, there actually might be some serious credence to this. Loach might really be right about this. I don't know. We've watched more of the show, obviously, since we did this recording, but he might be spot on. Uh, I think you're going to see it can get close to that, but I think that there's going to be one factor that he's that like we haven't seen come in yet. I think he's too narcissistic to do a Thanos level. I don't think it's that. Anyways, I think he's one of the best. We'll talk written- about that. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about. It. We know what he, we know <laughs> basically what each other means, listeners. But we'll we'll talk about it outside of the podcast so we don't give away any spoilers. I still think he's still as of right now on just recent couple of years or recent few years. He's one of the best written villains for TV shows. Yeah, I mean, I think Stormfront was was on par with him. Yeah, last season. So I would say yeah. he's uh, he's become definitely a, a huge menace. I think Vought has always been. I think the the CEOs of Vought have always been well written, as well as the interconnection between them and politicians uh, is another is another good example of that. But moving on to reviews for movies, Anderson and I saw Bob's Burgers, the movie. Oh man, that was a fun movie. Yeah, it was a. Uh, Listeners, that is some of the best fluid animation I have seen in a while. Uh, it reminds me of back when uh, Fox originally had started their animation studio and they created the, the movie Anastasia on the fluidity of movement with a character that spins and dances and stuff like that. And this is that, uh, this is the, that kind of move. Like, I know they're not like he, they're not actual human drawn characters but this is taking that and perfecting it and uh it was to the point where there was moments where i literally could not tell if 
are they using CGI to do this or are like computers to do this? Or are they mm-hmm. using straight up hand animation? Like it was that good. <laughs> they got the guy from the uh, one scene. Love is war. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the in credits. We'll have to bring that up in the fucking reviews. Cause that's <laughs> so fucking weird. So, but, but yeah, the, uh, the movie, the movie itself, the the plot for Bob's Burgers, the movie, everything about it was fun, good hearted. It's not as uh, laughter driven as it would be for the show, because keep in mind, they're keeping things sparsed out a little bit longer because it's a film instead of the show. Whereas, you know, you're getting, you know, with a show, you're getting 30 minutes of laughter, you know, not even 30 minutes of laughter. You're getting like 25 minutes of laughter versus hour and uh, a half. you know, an hour and a half. It's still fun. There were moments we definitely laughed and chuckled at. While it was a film, they they stayed within the, a lot of the spirit of there. There's a story that we start with, and it kind of felt like if you took several episodes and went, all right, this story leads into this story, this leads leads into this story, this leads into this story. But here's an overarching theme, and uh, I appreciated, you know, I appreciated yeah. that it kept things kind of changing up as it going. Yeah, it would have been like a six part episode. Yeah, absolutely. It kept things changing up, and it was it was a lot of fun. I think this whole so, thing, I, I was pretty impressed. To me, it was a love letter for the fans. Absolutely. It, it had the humor, it had the obscure, random musical songs like they do in the show. Yeah. So I would highly recommend this movie if you're a fan of the show. I think it's a must watch. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say it's, I'd say it's worth watching uh, just because I'm a fan of the show. If you're not a fan of the show, then you know there's no point in you seeing it. But to me, it's worth seeing in the theaters and it, it was just a lot of fun. And I mean, it's worth seeing overall, even if you're, you know, even if you just like the show and you're waiting to see it, uh, it's worth seeing just because of it's Bob's Burgers. And uh, like I said, if you're, if you're a fan of, of animation, the animation, like pay attention to, to how they, the styles that they use with uh, camera movements and stuff like that. It was definitely one of these things that like, it's very different from the television show versus the movie. And you're seeing it like, all right, this is the movie. So you're seeing a very different budget. You're seeing an actual full on, like we have a full animation budget. We're not having to sparse this over 20 something episodes throughout the year. We're now able, we actually have a full film budget and we can just go all out for an hour and a half. Uh, it's kind of like watching, you know, for, for a fan of uh, my little pony, it's like watching my little pony, the, the television shows, uh, for friendship is magic, and then going and watching the the feature film that was in theaters, and the animation difference is definitely a jump. You can you can see it. So same kind of thing here. But yeah, Anderson and I had a good time, and it was worth seeing the theaters for us, especially if you go get a burger beforehand. Fortune for us, Five Guys is right in front of the movie theater. Yeah, I wish they had a burger today, but yeah, they're uh they have they have some good food, so and always get a small fry. Always. As I said, I set a record. I was able to eat all my fries and all my popcorn. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I had gotten the milkshake route. Oh, man, no. Not during the summertime, that's for sure. Yeah. So, uh, one thing that we forgot to bring up is uh, some of the anime listeners that we've been watching. And Miles brought up uh, Love is War. We've been watching that on... (laughs) We've watched the first season uh, through on... Uh, crunchy roll and it's it's more fun to make fun of <laughs> than yeah. it is to the like the humor in the show the humor in the show is all right the narrator makes that fucking show uh yeah. i i don't think it's uh i don't think it's the same guy but he 
sounds very much like the uh, the guy that does the narration for uh, Man Eater, and very much kind of in that same style too. So yeah, uh, it's it's a barrel of fucking laughs, especially as it goes on. As it goes on, it gets funnier and funnier. Yeah, they kind of let they kind of let the narrator interact more with uh, what's going on instead of just narration. So, yeah. uh, with that, um, there is a episode that at the, it's the only time we've seen it and it ends with one of the characters, the, the character <laughs> in the pink hair. And it was the funniest thing we had seen for us in the entire show. And the simple fact that of what was going through our minds, because we started watching or we, we, we were watching it in every episode. Like everything's just kind of, you know, it's anime. It's very kind of, you know, movement sparse. It's got, you know, low frame rates, all this stuff. And then we have this one ending where a fully animated character, it's 20, you know, it's at least 24 frames per second. They're doing full movements, intricate movements with their hands, dress, you know, the clothing's moving around, spinning on camera, doing different stuff, different poses. And we are watching this happen as it's almost like a like a personal music video for this character and we were laughing because we were sitting there and I'm, I'm like i'm like dude that is it's so out of place and i just go it's it's like they fucking like it's, it's like they fucking made a bet of like <laughs> of like you couldn't like you can't animate for shit and miles goes miles goes uh or no i i brought up the fact sorry i brought up the fact that i was like i was like what the fuck is with the like the one animated ending like are we gonna get that for every or for every episode now is this is this the way it's gonna go i was like it seemed like it was made off of bet and miles goes yeah it's like it's just like what anime you're looking at because you can't animate for shit (laughs) 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 just like that became that that for us is canon now that's (laughs) care yeah, what the real reason fuck was you for response it. to another yeah, just, animator just a fuck you response to another animator who said they couldn't animate for shit they just go go fucking all out for for a two minute you know credit, credit scene. scene it's hysterical but uh yeah i mean personally i wouldn't recommend the show to anyone it's uh, it's if you're gonna watch it with a group of people then fine if you're gonna make fun of it yeah absolutely uh overall it's kind of a dumb premise i mean it's about two high schoolers who are in the uh, student council who want to tell each other that they that they like each other uh, but they want the other person to confess for some fucking reason uh yeah. which is a big deal in japan apparently t- confessing your feelings for someone uh i never thought that was a big deal even when i was in high school um telling somebody you like them because you're going to get shot down 9 times out of 10 in my experience. So it's a risk either way, but it's really dumb on the fact that they both like each other. They both know they like each other, but they don't know they like each other and they want the other person to confess. It's really dumb uh, when it comes down to that. Yeah, it's and, kind of a power struggle. <laughs> yeah. And the preconceived notions of what they're supposed to, what they're supposed to be like when it's love or anything like that. The, the true love one had me rolling. Uh, when that girl was having to listen to her talk about true love, like, is it true love? And she's just sitting there in, in her mind wanting to explode with the fact that there's no such thing as true love. Um, yeah. And in, in all reality, the main characters, uh, while not bad, uh, aren't the highlight, you know, outside of the narrator, the, no. the, sub, the main supporting female character and the main supporting male character are fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh yeah the the two main the two actual main characters are very pompous and conceited and it's just kind of like well i don't really care about these two uh yeah so we we found ourselves making fun of the show quite a bit for the first season and then as as it went along and got funnier and funnier we're like okay we can stick with this for a bit um but aside from that we've been watching skeleton night in, uh, in another world that one's fun so far we're enjoying that uh the typical uh you know character gets put into an MMO and uh yeah dive story or uh, As- uh Asaki it's a fun show so far looking forward to seeing what the rest of it's going to be like uh evidently the show is based off of a uh, manga that has been around for a little bit uh since uh, 2014 so that'll be uh that'll be interesting to see how that story comes along especially since the character or the person who's playing the character had a I guess a backstory for their own character and uh that is lore where he's at now and we just had a really funny ending to the last episode uh involving the curse that makes him a skeleton so curious how that's gonna if that's gonna be something that plays out as it goes along of uh you know curing himself (laughs) it's very funny but uh we've also been watching um We've been continuing Spy X Family. That's still that's still going. That's still pretty funny. Uh, they've had a couple, you know, I guess uh, one new episode since the last time we did our podcast. But uh, don't know if they're on hiatus or if they're just waiting for translations to go on. But uh, they have definitely more episodes in in Japan than they do in uh, uh, in English, but or Japanese than they do in English. But that's always the case until a season ends out. We've also been watching the. Uh, rise of or rising of the hero or the shield hero. Yeah. Rising of the shield of the shield hero. That is a, that's a fun show, but listeners, I have to give you this one. I have to tell you the same thing that miles told me. (laughs) If you're going to watch it, you really do have to stick with it because it is going to be infuriating for the first three episodes. Definitely even into the fourth episode. And it's going to be the first half of the season. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to be that way throughout in reality yeah you have a but it does person, get better yeah absolutely <laughs> oh, yeah, it does. It does. and there's there's absolute vindication towards the end of the first season thankfully yeah but uh yeah it's a uh, yeah character just gets shit on all the time all the time uh, from people who are completely it's really idiots. well written it's it's the dialogue's really good the animation's really good you know so i mean it's a solid show it's just you know, uh, both Vargo and I have a hard time uh, watching uh, f- even fictional characters get treated like shit for no reason. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I had to give him the caveat of, all right, so you, it's not going to be a happy show. You're going to have to, you yeah. know, grin and bear it until you realize that you're actually enjoying watching it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of darkness in the show because it covers topics like slavery and that kind of thing. That's not the stuff that actually bugged me. No, because uh, and the reason is because the slavery, the the don't get me wrong, slavery still bugs me. But it's the part that the thing that bugs me in that is the fact that like when when it gets re when it gets reintroduced on a character that already had it bro or that already that already lost their slavers mark. That part bugged the shit out of me because that made no sense. Uh, yeah, but. The thing, I mean, the fact is, is that it, the slavery parts listeners involve the main character, and the main character doesn't mistreat people. So it's one of those things of like, 
Yeah, it's it doesn't have quite the same connotation as it does in our world. <laughs> yeah. It does not have the same connotation as it does in our world. And in reality, with the way he treats these people, it's mostly a when when it gets reintroduced later, it has no bearing on why he does like why he participates in it in the first place. Uh, and it makes more sense when you watch it. Not saying we agree, you know, we're not saying we agree with slavery. We're just saying it's treated very differently well, in the show. Well, the way the main character handles it, it's more like a bonding, not a uh, slave. Market. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah, and even in the even in the uh, the show, uh, when they talk or when they when they introduce it again on another character, it's not being introduced as a uh, in a way to make that character enslaved to them. It's a way to make that character honest. So they have to answer honestly. Oh, dude, I uh, love the names of that character. Oh, yeah. Fucking that shit great. makes me roll on the floor every time. Yeah. So one of the things that bugs the shit out of me in the real world listeners is uh, somebody, somebody treated with complete injustice for no reason. It's one of the reasons why <clears throat> it bugged the shit out of me with what took place with, uh, you know, perfect example, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Um, I'm not saying they were good people, I'm not saying that their marriage was good and that, that either one of them, that, that. Neither one of them were healthy. You know, we're, we're healthy, but I it does infuriate me when a person gets persecuted for something they didn't actually do, and watching someone just completely blatantly abuse a system that is stacked for them, and then claims to continues to claim to be a victim that infuriates me even more. So, and that's what you saw with that. And yeah. the it, the hilarious part of that is the fact that that person finally got their comeuppance, and they still they still turned around and tried to claim that they were the victim. Like all evidence pointed the opposite, but they still tried to claim to to, to be the victim, and that's kind of what happens in this show. Uh, you have a character who is who is persecuted for no reason, while continually being treated like shit, while everybody else treats the other the other the other party as the victim or anyone else that has to deal with them as the victim. Never mind, never mind the good things that the, that the main character does. And you'll have to deal with that of, of dealing with the infuriety of that's not right. What's happening here isn't right. So I think the only thing that really angers me in the show is the continual stupidity of the spear hero. uh, Most of the country, most of them really. Yeah, most um, most of the country, most of the especially the the main hero or the the three heroes that are supposed to be essentially his his companions, and they treat him like shit because they're too fucking dumb to see past their own nose, their own fucking egos. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, illogical and uh, blind ignorance uh, yeah. in the show, and that's that in itself is infuriating. But especially when it's directed towards somebody for you know the purposes of persecution yeah uh we we see that shit here in, in real life all the time oh yeah and so it's real easy to be like well this is fucking bullshit <laughs> yeah but uh yeah you still wind up liking all the protagonists and uh you know it, it, it's uh, kind of a almost a story of perseverance really yeah so far yeah so the other one that i i decided to watch and i caught up and I was spot fucking on, by the way, Anderson, um, 10 episodes in 10 episodes in man. And I predicted the entirety of that fucking show. Come on. I just finished episode 20 this morning. Um, okay. So, so, or so I'm a spider. So what, 
uh, Anderson had recommended that one. I don't recommend it at all. Listeners. We are very different of opinion on it. Uh, I don't enjoy the show. I don't think the protagonist is very good. And the main reason is because the, for the majority of the show, uh, the main protagonist does not interact with other people and they're stuck inside of a dungeon. And while that is explained, it's still very uneventful uh, because you don't have any growth of a character. And I already knew like, so 10 episodes in listeners, I already picked predicted several things that were, that were in the show. Uh, I had already predicted one. That's a major uh, spoiler in the show that I don't want to talk about, but um, I needed that one confirmed about 10 episodes in because I was like, I think I know what's going on. Looked it up. Yep. Exactly what I thought was happening. And uh, to me, it's just not very, a very good, compelling show. I don't care about the humans at all. Uh, and because the protagonist doesn't have many interactions with other people, there's very little development there. And it just come it, to me, it comes across as a, a, a story suffering of bad pacing. And that's the only, that's the, the thing that I can't rec. That's why I can't recommend it. It's just, just that it, if you're like me, you'll get about halfway through. If your brain keeps turning on and you're, you'll get about halfway through and go, look, I'm getting tired of the runaround. Just get to the actual fucking story. Cause there is no story for the longest fucking time. I can't, I can't disagree with that one. Cause even now, like probably episode 15 is when they actually start certain yeah. plots so that's the, that's the reason why i can't recommend it i can't disagree with you on that one but then again i'm probably the anime watcher that i could probably watch it because i'm the one that is suckered and watched a thousand episode animes <laughs> <laughs> this is true naruto man you were dedicated as hell i know yeah, but the so. payoff was so good so <laughs> i'm good. sure it was just do know when you want if you decide to watch it i enjoy it but i could see where Vargas gripes are if you're not into slow plot mover animes, don't watch it. If you can, if you don't mind that, I think it's a watch. Yeah, it's going to be listeners. It's going to be about a no build until, like Anderson said, almost uh, almost episode fifteen. Uh, you're going to which have is the almost, episode basically where she's already out the dungeon and then she starts interacting yeah. with the world. Yeah, so you're going to have bits and pieces here and there that are going to explain things going on in the world. That while well, I understand their importance. At the same time, I feel like it could have been summed up in five to six episodes. Uh, but that's just me. It's, it, you know, like I said, I was trying to explain it to, to Miles a while back. It's like watching, if you watched uh, that time I, I got reincarnated as a slime, and instead of Rimuru leaving the cave system at the beginning, the dungeon where he meets Valdora, if they had never met Valdora and you just saw their time in the, in the cave system the entire time, and that was almost the entirety of the season. Yeah, it's like watching the entire travel of Lord of the Rings when they're on the road, yeah. but none of the action yeah. sequences. Absolutely. And that's kind of how it comes across. And you're just like, oh, man. And since they have no, and since the main character has no real interaction with other characters for the longest time, you're going to go, all right, well, I guess we'll, we'll cling on to what's going on to, because, because they cut back and forth between the main protagonist and the humans and what's going on in their world. Uh, or I shouldn't say their world in their side of things. It's and, two separate storylines. And you're moment. getting, two, yeah. yeah, you're two getting, you're getting two separate storylines that eventually will collide. But at the same time, you're going to be like, all right, well, this is kind of, this is kind of lame. I don't really care about them because you're not, you're not going to care about the humans. I guarantee it. They're not interesting enough for you to care about. <laughs> 
Yeah, I but, think this is one of the shows where you like the monsters more than you like the humans. So far, agreed. Me watching, and yeah. and just so you know, you're supposed to. So, well, just the way the way it's written, you like the monsters more than the humans. Yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed to eventually just like you're you're supposed to like the monsters more than humans. Uh, I won't be watching another season of that. I'm I'm done after that. I'm just like, all right, well, this is fine. But the other one that we did finish up, and I know we're running long, but we have a lot to cover, uh, is Demon or is uh, Demon Slayer: The Entertainment District Arc. Yay! Guys got caught up to me. <laughs> we got caught up to you. I'm, didn't we finish it before you? Uh, you watched the the initial all the way through Mugen Train because you guys got me hooked on it, and then I didn't stop watching. And then when the Entertainment District came out, I watched it all with the Japanese and English subs. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I've, so, I've watched it. I've, I've seen it before you guys, <laughs> and I'm like, just keeping my mouth shut. Yeah, couldn't couldn't watch it with the uh, with the subtitles because too many things happen. I'm glad I didn't watch it with the subtitles, but God, because goddamn, I wouldn't be able to keep up. Oh uh, yeah, there's a lot to go. The fight, I love the fights in this season. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. loved it. Uh, Entertainment arc was just awesome. Yeah, uh, I think the uh, the only thing I I had ne- and it's not even really a negative. I, I would say is I kind of wish it was in movie form like the train one was. Yeah, and this one almost could have been. It's almost. It's just a little bit longer than uh, the train. But yeah, uh, yeah. If you cut out, if you cut out the the intros, the recaps, and the uh, the exit, I'm Credits. pretty sure you probably could have made yeah. that into a two hour film, or maybe a little longer. But still, but I would have watched it. It was yeah. really good. It was really entertaining. Uh, you know what I like about uh, Demon Slayer? Watching this new season. What's it's that? how they grow the entire party. So the the three heroes and the sister, how they all grow. I like the fact that they do that with yeah. the storyline. Yeah, some of them actually physically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're right. It's it, it has character growth, has great a great character development. Even though uh, the flashy uh, Harasha or Harashira, is that it? The sensei Hiroshima? of the season. Yeah. yeah. Uh he is annoying as fuck <laughs> to me and I cannot stand his design, but having to put up, having to put up with that to get to the actual fight, badass. Then, yeah. you know, it gets a little old at times. Yeah. The whole, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. Yeah. Always you fucking know, apologizing for, for not being able to save everybody. Yeah. <laughs> You can't fix the world, man. You're, it's not just you. Uh, but yeah, having the, I, I, I did appreciate the fact that he finally got called out on that by his yeah. own psyche. So and pretty much choking at every fucking <laughs> cinch point. Oh, God, like, dude. come on. <laughs> you, you have got to get your breathing down because every time he uses that fucking form, it is decimating anything he comes across. Yeah. And I'm just like, God damn, dude. <laughs> You need like a Charlie Brown this, football moments. Yeah, it's like the, it's the the fucking fucking uh, plot specific uh, coincidental uh, choking moments. Yeah, just kind of annoying, but very entertaining. Very good season. I enjoyed it. And that's uh, still my favorite character. <laughs> he, he's he's great. Yeah, went went from being super annoying in his first episode to like goddamn I couldn't imagine the show without him. Oh, he won me over especially the Mugen train. 
Oh yeah, stabs long, long the before terrain that. And out yeah, nowhere. long before that. But like his his first appearance as the boar, he was super annoying and just obnoxious to deal with. But quickly won me over within like an episode of that. Just some of the crazy shit that he would talk about and say uh, was just fantastic. And then you had you know in this one you had the muscle mice. So <laughs> just <laughs> fucking ridiculous. I loved it. Fantastic season. Looking forward to more. Hoping that we're going to get more sooner than later, but we'll see. Uh, we're still waiting to hear anything, anything on uh, One Punch Man. But uh, we'll uh, we'll keep you posted, listeners, on anything else that we keep watching. Uh, but we're we're currently in the uh, the middle of uh, some seasons for for shows. So my only biggest gripe is I still hate the crunchy rolls interface. Oh God, dude! Oh, yeah, I, and what's funny terrible. is you said oh. you said it was you said it was better. I think it was you that said it was better on PlayStation, or was so it Josiah that said it was better on PlayStation? It's, it's it was, it terrible. Was me. Uh, it's terrible. The on all only of them. one it's that's fucking awful. Okay, on is the PS5, but the interface on the PS5 and the PS4 are completely different. No, they're not, listeners. I now have a PS5. They're not that different. It's still fucking terrible. It is awful on every system across the board. Seriously, Sony, you need to learn what UX and UI means. Crunchyroll. If you're, if anybody over there at Sony and Crunchyroll ever hear this, just grab the Funimation app. It actually worked well, and it had a better layout. And if you guys can't figure that shit out, fuck me. How? How is it the the way you treat seasons? The way you treat seasons in different dubbings? Like it's just obnoxious. What is? What is wrong with your programmers? How is this the best solution you had? And why is that person still working there? Yeah, typically can't go to watch history and just pick up from there. Yeah. You have to go find the fucking show and then restart from there. Yeah, here's an idea. Hire a user experience and user interface uh, expert. People who actually know the fuck with a, you know, know what the fuck they're talking about cuz whoever created those doesn't know either one of those. They still think of apps the same way that people think of some websites from the 1990s. All right, for books, I think this one's on me then. I just finished the third Odd Thomas book called Brother Odd. Uh, again, uh, I'm actually enjoying the series because each book has been different. Uh, this time around, uh, Odd Thomas finds himself in a monastery, kind of get a break from the craziness of the last book. Yeah. And this one's written kind of like a murder mystery. So Odd's trying to figure out what's going down. Each monk has a different character base and why they're there. Each one's very different. And things begin to escalate like they do in every book. The biggest thing this time around is that his somewhat sidekick plays a bigger role, and his sidekick is the ghost of Elvis Presley. Okay. He had a minor role in the first two books. He has a bigger role this time around. So getting into this series, I would recommend to keep with it. I think it's worth picking up and reading or just listening to the narration. The narration is done by David Baker, and he does a really good job. Just like the Dresden Files with the Chans and Marsters, where the first book was a little rough, but as he reads more and more into the series, he gets into it, and the characters didn't have different voices and that kind of stuff. That's good to hear. Uh, the other book I did is uh, the new Jonathan Mawberry book came out. I'm a fan of this author. Uh, he's written a lot of books I've read, and then he was also one of the primary script writers for the original 90s uh, X-Files. Yeah. And he also spent time under Tom Clancy. All right. So he's written a lot of spy thrillers, that kind of stuff. Uh, this is his first dip into fantasy. So he wrote a fantasy series called Keegan the Dam. 
And the best way I could describe this book is think of medieval fantasy where all these kingdoms worship Lovecraftian gods. A lot of brutality, a lot of weird shit. I enjoyed the series. It's a little more darker on the fantasy side. Uh, if you don't want to pick it up, the nice thing about audiobooks nowadays is a lot of libraries like have, have been revised. Did you, you just say library. library? Yeah. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> it is library for fuck's sake. What do you mean? Li- the library is pretty good, bro. God damn. It's like ambulance. <laughs> Anyways, you can go to regardlessly. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> don't don't start doing irregardlessly. We already have irregardless is accepted as a fucking word. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to know why people like why you shouldn't say irregardless, irregardless means the same thing apparently as regardless. So why don't you just say regardless? Fucking goddamn it. <laughs> Anyways, go to your Go to your public establishment because a lot of times you can actually, <laughs> they actually have apps where you can download audiobooks into your phone for free. Yeah. Speaking of audiobooks, if you were looking for an audiobook of Lord of the Rings and because you, you don't want to have to read Lord of the Rings, I get it. Lord of the Rings is kind of a tough read, even especially yes, today's is. standards, especially uh, when they go into the songs. However, if you want to have the best version of an audiobook, they have the entire Lord of the Rings series, including The Hobbit. Written or read by Andy Circus on Audible. So, uh, if you want to hear what I consider the best version of the audiobooks, uh, that is it. Andy Circus does a great job. If you want, to, if you want to hear Gollum as Gollum, that's it. <laughs> so, listeners, thank you for listening to us. We really do appreciate it. Remember, if you're a Krogan or Solarian, Corian or Geth, we just want you listening to us, and we'll keep you alive in the party. We really do appreciate you listening to us. Tell your friends about us. It's pretty much the only way we get around. This is Vargo. Miles. Anderson. Keep on geeking on, and we're out. Oh,